Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Wednesday morning. It's the 2nd of March. It's cold. It's chilly. Anybody else think the same as me? That when you look at Hillary Clinton, she looks like Kim Jong-un would look like if they made him up in drag. She kind of looks a little bit like that. She's got that sort of little funny face where she's got hamster cheeks, where she's either been Botoxed or sucked inside out. It's a bit difficult to tell. They make a big deal in America. You can't believe anything any of them say, but we're fascinated by it at the same time. Nice to have your company. I trust you are well this morning. Old Bin Laden, dead Bin Laden, left 20 million in his will to apparently keep terrorising people. Well, let's keep terrorising you, pal. You're dead and you've gone straight to hell. Female Viagra sends you to sleep. And Katie Price says, I might have aborted my son if I'd known he'd been da- disabled, but I'm glad I didn't. I had to try and get that one in at the last minute, trying to make it sound as though we can talk right up to the end of the orchestrations. Twitter's on the boil as Mary Berry uses shop-bought pesto. Why not? Let's face it, we've seen that other... Uh, who's that Marco Pierre What's-His-Face? He uses North Stock Cubes. You know, or is he just doing that for an advert? Difficult to tell nowadays, isn't it, on the television? Uh, the new diet that can fight diabetes. Yeah, super duper duper. And uh, weather woman finds boyfriend. As if anybody's remotely interested in a, in a woman who reads the weather for some vastly inflated price on the BBC has found a boyfriend or not. Obviously lurking beneath her warm front, I should imagine. John McCrick takes his top off to reveal... He definitely needs to wear a bra. He was bad enough with clothes on. Poor old McCreary, honestly, a career that nosedived after he turned up on Celebrity Big Brother, where he was so vile, everybody hated him. And, uh, and Joey Essex gets a deal to advertise soup. It's seriously thick, which is great, isn't it? We're still laughing at him as opposed to with him. Poor little soul, honestly. Not the brightest penny in the box. And amazingly, actually, uh, the man did not wee in a fridge, in a freezer, in a supermarket. They've had a look at the thing and they said, no, he didn't. People going, oh, look, somebody's weeing in a freezer. I mean, why would anybody do that unless they were drunk? We know we have drunks around. God, I saw some... uh, What did I see the other day on the television? This morning. It was one of these shocking videos where sort of people come in and there was one particular shopkeeper in America. Most of them tend to be American things. Over here, we don't don't really bother with that kind of stuff, do we? There's not enough really going on. Well, there is. It's just it doesn't make great television. And uh, in America, this shop had been robbed four times. Four times. And the shopkeeper was getting a bit bored with it. So when the guy came back for the fourth time, three times been robbed, came back for the fourth time, puts his bag on the counter to fill it up with money, the shopkeeper opens the till as if he's going to give him the money, pushes the panic button, grabs a baseball bat and whacks him over the top of the head as fast as he can. Well, this robber can't get out. The, of course, in the action of pushing the panic button, the door locks. So once the door is locked, the, the robber goes into major panic. Luckily, he was caught, I think, a few days later and is currently residing in prison. And it looks pretty dangerous being American cops because they really seem to get the brunt of it over there. Uh, I do like the idea that uh, we found a forest of 60 ancient oaks, more than 900 years old. You'd never know. Down where I live, down near uh, in, in Twickenham, along the riverbank, there's some oak trees there which must have been planted in the 1600s. They are so thick and gnarled and wonderful, and you look at them and you think, blimey. These things must be donkey's years old. Uh, Katie Price, of course, hits all the papers because she said that uh, she would have aborted her son if she'd known he'd been disabled, but she'd glad that she didn't. 
I mean, sometimes she does come up with things and then people go, oh, look, she said this. And then you have to sort of follow it through because she's she's not the brightest penny in the box. She's not the most intelligent person. They stick her on loose women. And it's a bit sad, really, isn't it, that some failed glamour girl is the one who makes the headlines. Nothing anybody else says makes the headlines on there. Nobody's remotely interested. But uh, get old Dimbo Pricey on there because the Pricey is always, oh, you lost your column. And, uh, oh, you lost your reality show. Oh, didn't have any other work at all. Had to take loose women. So they stick any old baggage on loose women now. So some of them dress up, some of them make no effort, and some of them they try and turn into presenters and they fail miserably. And one of those is Katie Price. Nobody's remotely interested. It's like I'm still waiting to see how long it takes before Susanna Reid turns around to punch the very irritating Piers Morgan. Piers, you know, I'm so desperate to be famous. Please, please, I'm a celebrity kind of thing. Actually, talking of that, did I mention I've got a book? I, did, I, I mentioned it, I think, a couple of times, uh, that I've got a book called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. They've asked me to do the audio version. So successful has the book been, they say we'd like an audio version now. Is that good? So thank you to all those people who wrote reviews on Amazon, because that's got me the audio version. Yeah! <laughs> Couldn't be ha- it always makes me laugh, actually. We were, t- we were talking a short while ago on the programme about uh, people who review things without having either read it or seen it or bought it or anything like that. They're just particularly stupid. I love K.K. Burley's answer to all these people who say, oh, I think you're rubbish. She goes, thank you still for watching. <laughs> Which I think sums it up. And sort of, there was one person who's, he's paranoid schizophrenic. It's, he thinks he's a woman at times, then he thinks he's a man. And, uh, and he sort of, he just hates me to pieces. Which is absolutely hilarious. Because uh, we all laugh at him and point and uh, he said, this book by Steve Allen, it's dreadful, and all the rest of it. But of course, the moment you write that, up go the sales. I couldn't be happier. Hello, trousering it. Trousering it. Thank you very much indeed. And now on the strength of that, I've got the audio book to do. So I think next week or the week after, I'll be recording the audio book. that good? So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Couldn't be better. Yesterday, I came back into town. We did a fantastic interview yesterday. Fantastic interview with Sir Ranulph Fiennes. Really good interview. Really good. He's such a nice man. We had a lot in common, as you can imagine, so we chatted. And the results you'll hear this weekend. He's talking about the over-70s, because he's just turned 71, uh, coming up 72 in March. So we're both uh, both Pisceans. And so we had a good chat, and he came in. Then I went home, had a little rest, and I came back in again, because yesterday was our figures meeting. Uh, all the radio stations that we own have it. And it means that every three months we're continually in survey, continually in survey. And it means that they then work out through a process of diaries and, uh, and people and all sorts of things exactly, you know, which programmes have gone up, which programmes have gone down, which programmes have really soared through the roof. And uh, so we had a meeting yesterday. We knew it was going to be a good meeting because there was a table groaning at the back with peanuts and uh, bottles of Prosecco and waters and orange juices. And I tried to get a bottle of Prosecco out, but I couldn't. The boss was watching. But, uh, and I, so I came in. I got back home at 20 to 7 and uh, climbed straight into bed. So I'd had yesterday one glass of Prosecco, which for me is sort of it's a, it's a bit of a bit of a bit of a dry day. Bit of a dry day, but it was lovely, and it was all fantastically positive news. You know, all the programmes have done one on LBC. We're up. We are the number one show in London. We are the number one show, bar nothing, touched by nobody. And uh, and the more people keep talking about it, the better it is. And then we get nominated yesterday in uh, in the Radio Times for Best Voice. Some people writing on, on Twitter, not to me, but about other people, seem to think it was about radio programmes, but it's got nothing to do with radio programmes or whether somebody is a good presenter. It's to do with the voice. 
And it's to do with whether or not you've got the voice that people like to listen to. Do they trust it? Do they not trust it? And so there's a list of 20 women and 20 men, all broadcasters in this country. I'm sort of one of the ones I don't know. I've heard of 99.9% of the other people. And, uh, and, and very flattering it is too. And then yesterday, James O'Brien bigs me up with Sheila on the, uh, on the handover. I mean, to the point of embarrassment. Serious embarrassment. And then Ian Dale was bigging me up and tweeting. And then some other friends of mine in the business were sort of, you know, saying, I voted, I'm, I'm doing... And I thought to myself, it's really sweet, actually. My boss was delighted. My boss was delighted. I mean, I just said I was surprised, because you would be. But, uh, and I should imagine at Radio Times, they're probably sitting there going, he's getting loads of votes, you know. Loads of people are voting for him. I said, probably out of sympathy, I should imagine. It's whether you trust somebody's voice. But it's, but it's for all the people who were voting for other radio presenters that might or might not have been at LBC many years ago. Uh, it's got nothing to do with radio programming. It's to do with voice. Whose is the most liked voice on the radio? But, I mean, I'm up against really stiff competition, so I'm, I hold out no hope for it whatsoever, no matter how lovely it is and how sweet it is of you all to vote. And thank you very much indeed. But, I mean, the uh, the people on there, are, oh, God, they've been doing it, A, some of them longer than I have, B, they have, you know, the sort of voices that you would listen to and trust. I don't think I've got, you know, any, any different voice to anybody else. I think there's people on LBC with much better voices. How I got voted for, I'll never know. Seriously, they don't tell you that kind of thing. But it was lovely yesterday. It was like riding on a, on a cloud. Seriously, I was, you know, it all... I did tweet, actually. I'm not sure if things can get any better this year. We've had record audience figures. We've sort of wiped the board with anything that could be loosely called competition, which I don't call competition. I just call it somebody else who's doing a radio programme. I never think about what other people are doing on their radio programmes at this time of the morning. There's no point. Why would I worry about, you know, somebody playing music or classical music or oldies or anything like that? Lovely though it is, I, don't, I can't think about it because I'm too busy concentrating, supposedly, on what I'm supposed to be doing. So when you get nominated for something, you kind of go, blimey, well, somebody's noticed me. And then you suddenly realise, as my boss said, the Steve Allen um, Loyal Fan Club is out in force. So not only do we get the audio book, so, so since yesterday, I get the offer of the audio book. Not for free, I have to tell you. And uh, then we get the record figures, and I did get a glass of champagne, and it was poured by my, by my boss, who was struggling to open a bottle of Prosecco. I've, I felt like, I'll oh, give it to me, I'll show you how to do it with your teeth. <laughs> I can open a bottle of Prosecco from 30 paces. But uh, so all in all, it was very nice. So it didn't matter to me that I didn't have very much sleep at all, because I was sort of, I was floating about on this, on this cloud. And as today is Wednesday, the only thing that dampened my horizon was the fact that it was raining a bit this morning. And then I looked at it thinking, it's a bit sleet. It could be snow, but it's going to turn to water, and it's a bit cold, and it's a bit miserable. Then I thought, what the heck? Listen, where else can you have a job like this, where you get up in the morning, and you watch a bit of television, you have a cup of coffee, have a shave, get yourself ready, come into work, they give you money for this. We get paid for this. I know it's unbelievable, I can't believe it either, that they give us money. And then you, then you go home, and I can go and have a bacon roll or something like that. I won't, actually, today. I won't have a bacon roll. But uh, I'm going to have a, a sort of a lazy day. I work on the assumption if I have a busy day, then I try and compensate. You get to a certain age and you've got to have a lazy day. And so today is going to be a lazy day, which I quite, uh, quite fancy. But if you have just joined us, nice to have you company. If you're a new listener, well, then you're especially welcome. You'll kind of get the hang of what the programme is as we wander through to 6.30. It's not your, it's not your conventional ho-hum programme. This, this looks at the papers. We have your tweets. We have your texts. We put them all in on the programme. It's a, it's a potpourri. It's a mix 
I didn't. Somebody said to me when I came in yesterday, they said, do you want to hear what James O'Brien was saying about you? I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I really, I said, I can't listen to things like that. It's embarrassing. It sounds like they're talking about somebody else. So I didn't hear it. I don't want to hear it. Otherwise, I might become terribly big headed and a little bit biased. So we'll go through the papers. We pick out some of the funny stories. Some of the stories get you going. Oh, that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Or good grief. You're absolutely right. And in fact, 99.9% of cats, when asked in a recent survey about the Steve Allen early breakfast show, said they actually preferred it to anything else. Quarter past four. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Wednesday. Doesn't matter where you are. I don't care whether you're working at the moment, whether you're lying in bed, in which case we're all very jealous. I bet it's nice and warm, isn't it? Very nice and warm and cosy. And you don't really want to move. You know, and then you then you fluff the pillow up a little bit. You think, oh, this is delicious, isn't it? There's something about, I was talking to Sheila Fogarty, and she was saying to me yesterday uh, that people, unless you're in the business, do not understand about your sleeping patterns. And I said, the one thing you've got to do, if you work the odd hours that uh, some of us do overnight, and LBC in the ratings absolutely dominates overnights, absolutely dominates it, bar nothing. I mean, seriously, there is nothing that comes close to us. Absolutely nothing at all. And, uh, and she was saying, you have to adjust your life. And I said, well, I've always said to people who say, how do, you, how do you work the hours you work? I said, well, that's what I do for a living. I have the choice. I, can turn, I could turn around to my boss today and say, um, I don't want to work anymore and I want to stop immediately. I don't feel very well. I don't think my health is up to it. And, uh, and he'd go, OK, if that's your decision... And, and I have that choice of doing it. Nobody forces you to do anything. Nobody forces you. So you do things through choice. And as I said before, where else do you get, you know, a fantastic lifestyle? And it is a fantastic lifestyle. I was speaking to one of our big bosses the other day, the big boss, Ashley, uh, who always looks so happy to see people. And always looks, you know, in, I mean, he just always happy to see people. And we've got things up all over our walls, basically trying to make people be more positive about radio. You know, be, be positive for what you do. Be thankful for what you do. Push the boundaries. Take it a little bit further. But embrace this thing called radio because it provides entertainment and companionship for so many people. Millions and millions of people rely on radio and it doesn't matter whether it's this time of the morning and people podcast or they listen live to the show or it's later on in the day there's always an audience for somebody and if you've been doing it as long as many of us have been it it becomes just par for the course I mean you know I can sit in the office in the morning and uh, if I've got an interview to do I'll chat to Nick Ferrari I'll chat to James O'Brien, then if I'm here late enough, I'll see Sheila coming in. I talk to the producers. You know, there's none of this them and us. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, where we don't talk to people. Everybody talks to people. And I, I did say to somebody yesterday, we were all sitting up there in this room, and I don't know how many of us there were up there, 60, 70 of us. And, uh, and it was just quite nice to see people. I saw Beverly Turner and, uh, and just, just loads of people. Some people I didn't know who they were. So I'm assuming... Um, you know, they were sort of new people who'd, who'd come into the fold. But whatever it is, it's, it's, it's lovely. It's, it's a great way to earn a living. If ever you feel like doing something different from stacking shelves or working in a fish and chip shop, you could do worse than doing a job like this. Getting into it, of course, is the problem. And that's why people write to me and they say, oh, I work for hospital radio or I'm doing this or community radio or I'd like to get I'm doing a broadcast training course. How do I get into radio? And I said, well, it's not easy. What you've got to be is, in this business, adaptable. In other words, I can remember years ago bumping into a presenter and uh, he came in to... I got him some work at LBC doing an overnight show. And this was a, a successful television presenter 
who'd come in here, and well, I'd, I'd met him via another friend, and he said, oh, he said, I'd love to work at LBC. I said, I love, you know, I love listening to it. So I persuaded my boss. I said, why don't you give him a couple of shifts, see how he works out. You're not going to commit yourself to somebody to give them a contract. You know, let's see how he does. He did three days, and he quit. And I said to him, what would you do that for? I said, it makes me look stupid. I said, I batted for you on that one. He said, I don't know how you do it. He said, on the first day, he said, within the first hour, he said, I'd run out of things to talk about. I said, how could you run out of things to talk about? I said, the whole basis of a speech radio programme is that you talk about having run out of things to talk about, which gives you something to talk about. So, in other words, you're never at a loss. People say to me, do you ever dry up? I said, how could you ever dry up? I'm just sitting there with a microphone on a pair of headphones to my left of me. I've got a set of uh, newspapers. I've got my uh, satsumas. Well, actually, they're not satsumas. These are, what did I call them the other day? Another name for them, Nordicots. Uh, which look like Satsumas, and I've got those here. I've got my uh, my cup of coffee and a micro... And I'm quite happy. I'm quite, I could sit here for days, seriously. In fact, actually, at the beginning of the meeting, because it was late starting, Nick Ferrari said, or Steve said, would you like to do 20 minutes while we're waiting? <laughs> because I could do that. And the reason I, I do it is because years ago, we used to have a station called London Talkback Radio, and there was me, Mike Dickin, Douglas Cameron, uh, Clive Bull, a few of us. We all got four-hour programmes, which in speech terms is a lot. Four hours is a huge amount. You know, it's all right if you're doing maybe music and you don't speak that often, but in speech it was a lot, and it was all phone-in. And I said to my boss, I said, what, what happens if I don't get any phone calls? He said, you talk. I said, oh, right. He said, about, I said, I said, about what? And he said, well, about anything you want to, really long as it's legal and decent. And so that's what I did. I sort of started chatting. And somebody's pointed out, Brian, that I got the audiobook deal because I've got the best voice on radio. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know how I've got the audio. Don't ask me how I get the audio deal. I just know that the boss sent me this, this email yesterday saying, you know, would you let me know if, you, if you'd like to do it? They're offering X amount of money. And so I've written back going, oh, too true. <laughs> Try and hold me back. Uh, Jim the Truck is with us this morning, which is very nice indeed. And uh, James O'Brien said to vote for your voice as the best one on the radio, uh, which is nice. And I know the other people on the list. In fact, some of the other people on the list have actually voted for me, which, I mean, is incredibly flattering. I mean, seriously, it's incredibly flattering. It's, you know, you don't really know what to say. And, uh, and I've, I've met a few people on there. Not many. I have met a few people on the list. If you want to see the list, then it's on radiotimes.com. Click on the um, uh, the radio today. Go down a bit and you'll see Vote for Your Favourite Voice. It'll show all the ladies' uh, names on there, the, uh, the voices, many of whom are in this building. And it will then show you all the guys on there. I'm top of the list because it's alphabetical. It's not because I'm top of the list. It's because I'm alphabetically A. So I get the top of the list, which is quite nice. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And I uh, forgot to say, Steve, that James O'Brien had a lady caller that reminded us that your voice was the voice when the 9-11 disaster happened. Yes, yes. Uh, and then somebody says, maybe some listeners don't realise you've done shows with serious or historical content. Yes, I've done... Uh, Everything. Everything. I've done um, a sports programme. comes as much, much interest to people. They go, but you know nothing about sport. I said, I didn't say I knew anything about it. I said, I just presented a sports programme. I surrounded myself with talent, people who knew what they were talking about. We had a football pundit, a tennis pundit. Uh, I've hosted roundtables with MPs. I've done documentaries. I've done all sorts of things. 
because it encompasses everything. The one thing I don't have any interest in is politics. I'm, I'm really, I'm like the majority of you. You look at the, that's why the turnout's so low on many of these things, because you sit there like I do going, I don't believe a word you're saying. I think politicians just say something to get themselves in. Once they're in, that's it. They're kind of stuck with them for ages and ages. So uh, I enjoy doing things like that. I did the Iranian embassy siege. I was uh, I was the person who linked to the uh, to our reporter down on the scene when the Iranian embassy blew up, and uh, and I've recorded more people's deaths on the radio than. Uh, and anybody else, I think, as I used to read the news. So, I mean, all in all, it's actually quite... Ple- Not that that ties in in any way, shape or form with being voted for or actually uh, recording the audio version of my book, So You Want to Be a Celebrity, but it's, uh, it's a nice thought, isn't it? Anyway, we will do the papers. We found another D-lister. Here she is. She's even called a D-lister. Leonardo DiCaprio has found some poor old soul from Made in Chelsea. I mean, they call her a model. Her parents must be absolutely thrilled. If that's what modelling is nowadays, perhaps they're just picking the ugly ones. Because this one here, you've never even heard of her. I've never even heard of her. Her name is Lauren Hutton. And um, this is up because they also say he, he parties with yet another D-list Brit. The other one's being Joey Essex's ex, Roxy, who nobody's ever heard of. She looks as old as the hills and a bit rough around the edges. Somebody from Geordie Shaw and uh, Laura Whitmore who uh, is from MTV, who seems to put herself about all over the place and yet appears to have no discernible talent that I could put my finger on in any way, shape or form. Uh, so that's, uh, that's in the paper today. Then there's Nicole Scherzinger, who's, pin- who's had somebody take a picture of her lying by a pool, and they say, it's you know, Lewis Hamilton will be jealous. Shouldn't think so. Why would Lewis Hamilton be jealous? He was out with his dog the other day as he was out on... Um, I think he was in... Um, he was on a racetrack near the Catalan capital, Barcelona. Unfortunately, he always looks as miserable as sin, doesn't he, poor old Lewis Hamilton? He's got a bulldog. How he gets this thing around the world, I've got no idea. Perhaps it's in quarantine most of the time. And uh, so you've got a nice picture of Nicole Scherzinger lying by a pool, going, oh, look what you're missing. She's another one of those dreary pussycat dolls. Oh, dear me. Dreadfully boring. Dreadfully, dreadfully boring. And then Katie Price, who makes all the papers, saying that uh, she would have aborted Harvey if she'd known that he was blind, but she didn't. And she didn't. And so now she says... um, Because they say it left campaigners horrified. Well, it would do, because she's not the brightest penny in the box. She doesn't think before she engages her brain and opens her mouth. But what she does do is she sort of... She just sort of... She thinks she's being controversial when she says things. Unfortunately, it's neither controversial nor nor interesting. I'm sure she's probably said this at some point. She's never said anything that's original. So, and she does use loose women as a vehicle just for herself. I don't think she actually knows that there's other people on the panel. I don't think she's ever seen anybody on there. They all have to go, and she's Miss Katie Price, you know, which is good. Uh, Matt says, I produce audio books. As long as you get a good producer, you'll have a great time. We have a company. We're a huge company. We are a huge, huge company. And so uh, we have that. And um, somebody, uh, David, says he voted for Emma Bunton for the female category, and me in the male category. Yes, I was described as camp, <laughs> which we all had a good laugh at in the office. Very good laugh, actually. Uh, Jane Moore's column today. I'll read it to you in a moment. It's a sorry excuse for Blackburn's sacking. And uh, this is the story of, uh, of Tony Blackburn. We were talking about this the other day, actually, because Nick Ferrari's a big supporter of uh, Tony. I'm a big supporter of Tony as well. And, uh, and Jane Moore's nailed her colours to the mast as well, because it just seems ridiculous now that sort of people come out and say things. And, uh, and what she says about this, uh, this girl is, it's not, it's not hurtful. I mean, th- this is the girl who was so disturbed she killed herself. She took an overdose of tablets. Uh, her life was a fantasy. 
like most people, you know, if you go and I suppose, I, how can I equate it? I don't know. I, I should imagine it's like being a fan of One Direction or any of these groups. You hang around, the group see you and they wave, you know, Daniel O'Donnell. He knows so many of his fans. I know loads of the people who listen to me, loads of them. I've been out for dinner with them. We've done Christmas. We've done all sorts of things. And, you know, if I go on holiday, I can guarantee we go on the cruise years ago. I meet about 10 people who are listeners. So there's all sorts of people who listen to this programme. It doesn't, doesn't matter whether you know, you're in bed, I get people who are in hospital, people who are looking after people, carers, people driving lorries, people deliver, delivering, sorry, bus drivers, bus conductors, everything. It really runs the whole gamut. You know, young people, people who work in radio, produ- loads of producers, loads of producers, you know, and loads of people who work for other radio stations. I can't say any more than that, just other radio stations. And, uh, and somebody said to me, why do they listen to you? And I said, gee, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. I think what, what they're doing is they're listening to see what stories I've got so that when they go into the studio, because most of them turn up at about 15 minutes to go, they can go, Steve did a story about diabetes, the weather woman, the forest of ancient oaks, Bin Laden, the house trapped in the 70s, all these different stories. And they go, I like some of those because they use them as fillers. As far as I'm concerned, they're an integral part of the programme, but they use them as fillers. So all my friends in the radio, they go, could you do... And one of them, a friend of mine has moved to America. Wants to make sure we do it at the beginning of the programme, you know, so people will be running, you know, with the story about snow, Mr Kipling, exceedingly good export, and Kate Bateman on Bargain Hunt in this country, who writes, apparently, in her other guys, steamy novels. Ooh, steamy novels. LBC News Time, 4.30, with the latest headlines. Here's Charles Rowe. You... Nick with you at seven this morning. Uh, he wants to build a wall to stop the Mexicans getting in. He wants a total shutdown on Muslims entering the US and thinks the Paris terror attacks could have been prevented if everyone had a gun. Is the West going to the political right and could a UK Donald Trump work? Former glamour model Katie Price, she was never glamorous, says she wouldn't have kept her son Harvey had she known about his disabilities when she was pregnant. Do the comments make her a bad mum? And Nick speaks to the Foreign Secretary Philip Hammond ahead of his EU referendum speech this morning. That's Nick Ferrari from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Paper review today, Matt Fry, Channel 4's Europe editor and presenter. Uh, so here's, here's Jane Moore, lovely Jane Moore. And uh, she says the plot thickens on whether Tony Blackburn was questioned by the BBC in 1971 over allegations written in a 15-year-old girl's diary that he seduced her after she danced on Top of the Pops. The DJ says the interview with BB exec Bill Cotton and lawyer Brian Neal never took place. The BBC says it did and has now sacked him for denying it. Meanwhile, it's emerged that other potential abusers were named in the diary too, one of them being the actor Rock Hudson. In 1955, a magazine threatened to expose Hudson's homosexuality, but his agent killed the story. Most of his co-stars have since said they knew he was gay, and even though he married his agent's secretary, Phyllis Gates, the union only lasted three years, and it was later alleged she was a lesbian and knew about his sexual proclivity all along. So did Hudson, who died in 1985, sexually abuse a 15-year-old British girl in 1971? Or is it more likely that she watched an episode of Macmillan and Wife, the 70s crime series Hudson starred in with Susan St. James and concocted a written fantasy, later found by her mother, about the handsome lead man and others, including Blackburn. Sadly, as she killed herself shortly after her mother found the diary and complained to the BBC, we will never know. But Blackburn's dismissal from the BBC after 45 years is curious, for the simple reason that the one thing everybody 
uh, everyone can seem to agree on was the, that the alleged assault claim was later withdrawn uh, that the girl probably invented it. In which case, why has Blackburn din- been dismissed? Or is having a different recollection to your boss of something that happened, or didn't happen, 45 years ago, now a sackable offence? Yes, I mean, it's hilarious, isn't it, that this girl thought she had a, a fling with Hudson in 1971, but he was dead in, uh, in 85. So, I mean, did it ever happen? Highly unlikely. In fact, I would almost go so far as to say absolutely never did happen. Never did happen. It was just fantasies. Quite clearly, she was a disturbed young woman, and she thrived on telling fibs, which kids do nowadays. And they, you know, they're no different now to what they were then. People tell fibs. Kids can't help it. They can't help themselves. They tell lies. Parents stand up in court and tell lies. Did you hit your next door neighbour? No, I didn't. Look at me. Look at me. And that's when you get it, don't you? You get people who stand there lying. And then he, and even when he's actually proved it, the old Kyle, you know, still they sit there and deny it. Listen, the, uh, the lie detector, te- detector test says you did have sex with your next door neighbour. Well, I didn't. Well, it says you did. Well, I didn't. But you did. Yeah, but only the once. (laughs) Yeah, so that was having sex, wasn't it? I mean, it it is fascinating to watch grown adults. Well, I say grown adults. Most of them are a bit amoeba-like, aren't they? And they they seriously think that they're being very clever and they can outwit a lie detector test. Yeah, I, I I couldn't possibly say whether I did or didn't. Well, you did. No, I didn't. You did. And they sit there and they brazen it out because they're being embarrassed on television and they don't know what to do. They want to go and run away and do horrible things, but they uh, they can't do stuff like that, can they? Oh, dear goodness. Uh, Mick says, am I the... Uh I've been listening to Overnight LBC before, since it officially started to broadcast. No, 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 no. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You'd be dead by now if you were listening since the very beginning of LBC. And... Um, Uh, Mark says, I see the BBC have given Alex Jones an extra programme to do. Shop well for less, so she can't be that bad. Listen, once you work for the BBC, you're kind of stuck with them for life, and they have to find things for you to do. So, in other words, you you very rarely find anybody from BBC who crosses over to the commercial sector. It doesn't work like that. The BBC, once you've joined there, you've sold your soul to the devil. You know, you've bent over and, uh, you know, brown-nosed your way into any job you can get, and you stay there forever. So they just work within the organisation. They don't do anything else. They don't do anything from the outside, and she's a dreadful presenter. And they know that. She doesn't rate. They just don't know what to do with her. So they go, uh, let's try another programme with her and see if she can cope with it. She, she just can't present. It's not her fault. Not her fault, poor soul. I mean, you know, some people can present and some people, some people can't. And she can't. Uh, just voted for you on my email addresses, says Jane in Cheltenham. I'm part of your 4am spike. And uh, and I, I woke up yesterday and I started sniggering when I heard your comment about some bimbo licking a mirror. Such a funny line. I know, it's, it's, it's based on the old line of if they were a lollipop, they'd lick themselves to death. And it's mainly the bimbos out of the reality shows. You know, the ones you've done. I've always said that you get the bimbos in TOWIE. And they're the real ugly ones. They're the ones whose makeup is so troweled on that by the time you take it off, you suddenly realise it's a bloke underneath. And that's a bit frightening. But most of the blokes in Essex who work in TOWIE couldn't really care less. They, they're not really that bothered. It's a case of if it looks like a woman, it must be a woman. And so they get, you know, and, and in many cases they are, but they're just kind of at the rougher end of the scale. And then you get the ones in Chelsea who don't have very much makeup on because they're kind of like, OK, yeah. 
you know, been to Cheltenham and like Rodine and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, we're OK. But they're doing exactly the same as the bimbos over in Towie. They're no different. And the, and the difference is that when you go, by the time you get up to Newcastle for Geordie Shaw, they do exactly the same as the bimbos on Made in Chelsea and Towie, except they do it with no clothes on. You know, and they think they're attractive, but we know that they're rough as anything. They really are rough. We've even had prostitutes, hookers, appearing on Celebrity Big Brother, if you please. Hookers. Hookers. Oh, truth, honestly. Never thought I'd hear myself say that in this day and age. It's lovely. Uh, 84850. Pat says, uh, for people who are not computer literate, there is a voting form in the Radio Times. I thought, um, I thought James O'Brien gave a generous praise yesterday. Well, apparently so. Apparently so. People, uh, people were sort of sending me texts going, I don't believe what he's just said about you. And they put it up. I think it's up on the LBC website, which is, uh, which is quite nice. Congratulations, says Jill in Glasgow. I've listened to you for so long, it feels like I am listening to a friend, especially since my health has taken a dip. But it's the quality and the tone, as well as what you say, that's always appealed to me, excuse me, adapting easily to the whole gamut of topics from the light-hearted to the most serious. She says, have a listen to James' comments. He's so pleased for you. I couldn't. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. That's the only thing I can't do. There are two things I can't do. One is I can't listen to people gushing about me. I find that dreadfully embarrassing. And the other thing, I can't listen back to myself. I've never been able to do that, you know, since I first started. And people say, oh, did you listen to your programme the other week? You must be joking. I seriously can't. I can't do that at all. Some people are very good at doing it. I, I can't, because I think in my mind, I think I've got a certain type of voice, and obviously everybody else thinks it's different. So, you know, now I've been described as camp but cheeky. I'm not too sure. Oh, my boss said to me, he said, camp. I said, I know, I couldn't believe it. Some friends of mine in the business were to me going, camp? You should sue. I said, yes, I did, I did think about it, actually. Uh, I voted, says June. Uh, says, I get up for work at 6.30, but I lay in bed pretty much each morning listening to you and having a good chuckle because you say the things that we're thinking. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I, listen, I'm saying no different to anybody who's standing in a pub having a drink. It's exactly the same. It's just that I'm doing it by myself here. Somebody's pointed out that, uh, do you think Harvey would like to abort uh, Jordan as his mother? I know. I know. I mean, she does, uh, you know, she's obviously a very good mother and she looks after, but she's obviously deeply unhappy, deeply unhappy. She only is, is comfortable when she's talking about herself on the programme. and She kind of ignores everything that anybody else says on there. So, and she's, uh, and she must be an absolute nightmare. I mean, she must be an absolute nightmare to be with. I know that Leandro Penner uh, apparently said she spent all day Googling herself on the computer to see what people were saying about her. God, that's sad, isn't it? Hope I never ever get to that stage. <laughs> never ever get to that stage. It won't happen, actually. It won't happen. Uh, 84850, uk. It's spring. Get ready for snow. That's what they've said. The Met Office have issued an ice warning. I got it up on the car the other day. It comes up on the dashboard. You get a little picture of ice or something. I don't know. I can't remember. It's a picture of a wheel, I think, turning. And, uh, and they said, oh, a bit cold out there for ice. And I thought, it doesn't matter to me. I don't really care about ice. I'm just not going to be going out driving in it. So I'm going to have a lazy day today. But I went out. We're having another bakery in Twickenham. We got Greg's, the bakers, but they're closing down the factory in Twickenham. They've got a factory. They've got one of um, a number of factories around the country and they're shedding, I think, 355 jobs. But it doesn't affect the shop. It just means that the stuff will come from Enfield or wherever it comes from nowadays. And so, uh, so that'll be quite nice. But they're closing the factory. How many employees? I don't know. They must be gutted. 
But at least the shop's, you know, doing quite well. They could do with a being bigger shop, because they never seem to have enough enough sort of space in the shop. There's always a queue. You get one person serving. If I was like, have you got any more staff? Look, there's six people queuing here. For God's sake, get some more staff out. And they t- it turns out they're out the back. <sighs> you know, you should come get people out there. I bought some chips yesterday. Bought some chips in Leicester Square. We've got a fish and chip shop opposite the front door. Four people working in there. I say working. Three people standing around and one person uh, cooking. And uh, so I ordered two portions of chips. Thinking I'll share them in the building, which I did. And two portions of chips, seven quid. Seven three pound fifty a portion of chips. And then uh, so it's a bit, I'll be three minutes. Okay, fine. So then the bloke who's who's frying does a portion of chips and gives them to a bloke who came in after me. And so the other bloke goes, and two portions of chips. And so then they start an argument over where's the ticket for two portions. Oh, God, just balmy. In the end, you know, they they give them to you in a box. They were okay. They were a bit, for £3.50, they were a bit naff, it has to be said. So I certainly shan't be going there again. And I gave a portion to Courtney downstairs. And then Caroline, who is uh, James O'Brien's producer, and I shared the other ones. Together with Ollie, who needs to eat a little bit more, but it was uh, it was good. It was quite nice actually. I just thought seven quid seemed like a lot of money. Small bunder working in uh, London, you know, you need to earn a lot of money to actually just to be able to afford the blooming chips. What's the time? And not that not that we care on this program. We don't really worry about the time. It's quarter to five. This is LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text eight four eight five zero. Morning, everybody. It's 12 minutes to five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Wednesday, the 2nd of March, and that's as good as it gets as we race through the year. Peter Andre says, Nicky, you've got to love him. How refreshing to see him on Fridays, hosting of Loose Women. <gasps> 43. He's well past his sell-by now, isn't he? I suppose the singing career has disappeared completely. Uh, Paul says, don't blame the bimbos, Steve. Blame the thick, obese, sedentary idiots who watch and swell the ratings. But the trouble is these programmes don't get any ratings. They really don't. So, you know, when you look in terms of numbers, it's pitifully small. It's just that they overhype it. Look at ITV2. I don't think they've got anything that rates, anyth- you know, anywhere on that channel. Anywhere at all. It's, it's very interesting to watch. Um, I was uh, tempted by a photograph of a comedy character. This is the deeply unfunny Lee Nelson. This is the one who does, um, he does a programme, doesn't he? And the programme, doesn't he, is, is it... Oh, it's not Lee Nelson's Well Good Show or something like that, is it? It's 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 certainly very very odd. It's one of those programs on the the television where it's it's a comedian playing a character. It's a bit like Lee Francis, but of course Lee Francis is Keith Lemon. He plays the same character in everything he ever does. Everything. It's you know I don't think there is a Lee Francis. I think it's literally somebody who who goes on television and just becomes irritated and doesn't rate. You know, the programme is, is the lowest possible thing that you could ever do. And Lee Nelson turns uh, up uh, with a German accent. He was in uh, Geneva. Security led him away. He sort of turned... He's just not funny. There's nothing funny about it. Absolutely nothing at all. And uh, it, Lee Nelson is played by Simon Brodkin. This is the one who showered ex-FIFA boss Sepp Blatter with cash and stormed rapper Kanye West set at Glastonbury. It's just a bit tedious and so boring. It's just not funny. What's funny about this? Not funny at all. That uh, they sort of go... I mean, the Germans have no sense of humour on this one. And he was sort of pretending to be looking at emissions underneath cars. He turns up with an over... But he's just not funny. Didn't he do something at Heathrow Airport? Again, was not funny. Must be nothing worse than a comic being told, you're just not funny. You know, there are a few of them. You see them on the television. 
And and I've I've seen quite a few in my time and all these different programmes and you and you look at the programme and you think, but you're just not funny. There's some big blonde woman. I couldn't tell you what her name is. I've got no idea. She could be anybody. And um she's all, all goofy teeth. And she's quite big and hefty, with badly bleached hair, and I've never heard her say anything funny at all. I watched another programme hosted by some lame presenter, uh, where people are in Louis Walsh was on it. Louis Walsh went on this programme, and people are swearing and using the kind of language that, you know, you wouldn't expect here outside of the royal family. You can imagine old Prince Harry, I bet he's got a right turn of phrase, hasn't he? But I just thought it was awful. The things that they, they think are funny now, the BBC desperately trying to fill up channels with any old guff, and they put it all on there, and then you've got ITV with ITV2, and they've got different... Th- and you just think some of it's just not funny. Just swearing for the sake of swearing does not make a programme fun. Oh, my God. Here you go. Bad news. Want some bad news today? You're going to get it. I know it's Wednesday, and I know it's the 2nd of March, but uh, the last time that we had news of a, a boy band merger... They did a sell-out UK tour and scored a top ten album. That was McBusted, which was very sweet. But, you know, they're now getting to the stage where it's a bit like Take That. You know, when they go, all I do is pray. And they go, you can hear the creaking from the back of the stalls. But anyway, the latest, Keith Duffy of Boyzone and Brian McFadden, the idiot out of the group from Westlife, are joining forces to form Boys Life. Oh, dear God. It doesn't get worse, does it, really? Anyway, the new project, being backed and funded by uh, some big company, will see the pair take to the stage to form a mix of their old band's biggest hits, including No Matter What and Flying Without Wings. It's the brainchild of Keith. Oh, God, that must have taken some brain power, mustn't it, Keith? Wait a minute. Uh, Brian, uh, want to form a group with me? OK, there you go. The brainchild. I'm sorry, the groups existed long before you did, darling. But anyway, poor old Brian, who can't get arrested now. And uh, they all discussed this at Ronan Keating's wedding. In an exclusive interview, Brian McFadden, the boring one out of the group, the one who was married to Kerry Coke Toner, hilarious, said, uh, we've all had a chat. And we said it would be amazing. For whom? Certainly not for us. But the most boring... You can't reform Westlife. They've only just quit. That would be ridiculous. He says, can you imagine nine of us Irish lads on a tour bus going around the world together in your dreams? Who would be remotely interested? Who would be remote? You see, there is a thing that they're all going to get back together again. I don't think so. Mind you, some of them might have to. They've got a bit pairs up, haven't they, in the money department. He said it would be carnage. We all get on so well. They hated you, Brian. They hated you. We all got on so well. They hated you. They sat down with me in the studio and I said, any chance of Brian coming back? And they looked at me and went, no. They didn't like you. They didn't like you, so don't give us this old flannel now, mate, that, uh, you know, he says, anyway, right now, this is about me and Keith, but the door is always open. So they're they're taking this, it's a two-piece show, Brian McFadden and Keith Duffy. (laughs) Sound like the most desperate thing you've ever heard of. And uh, they're going to go on to do nationwide shows. They're going to kick off in London on October the 16th. Where, dear? Oh, wait a minute, that scout hut at Ponder's End is available, isn't it? Or the phone box. Just at the end of the M4, just by just Chiswick, there's a, there's a phone box there. You could do it in there. So Brian McFadden and Keith Duffy, two of the least interesting people in the groups. You know, everybody else, everybody liked. These two, nobody cared about. So they're going to go out as a twosome, singing, you know, <laughs> no matter what, and, um, and uh, flying without wings. 
<laughs> God, it sounds boring already, doesn't it? Poor old Brian McFadden. Wait for somebody to start losing money, ladies and gentlemen. Once the gigs don't sell... I mean, why would you put two people on who nobody's bothered with? It's the rest of the group they're interested in. They certainly want... Oh, my God, what an... Uh, this is Iggy Pop. He's stripped off uh, the other day. Uh, for some artists, well, he's always stripped off. In fact, Iggy Pop, his body at the age of 68 needs ironing, ladies and gentlemen. I've never seen anything look so awful. And so he's lying on a table, start naked, which he's done so many times before. And uh, and it's all in the in the name of art. They go that, you know, people want to draw Iggy Pop. Why would you want to? Why would you want to? It'd be like the producer lying down on a sort of a, a sort of a... a no, not you. No, not you. Another, another producer lying down on one of these sort of rug things that looks like an animal pelt. Start naked. Iggy Pop's lying down. Start naked. I mean, it's just. What about the woman who's directly opposite him? Poor soul. What's she got to put up with? Admittedly, not a lot. It has to be said. I don't want to be rude about it. But to be honest with you, the last time I saw something that small, it was on. Uh, it was on me, and I was about twelve years old. Uh, Shane the Train says the best thing about working at Stupid O'Clock is being able to tune in. Camp or not, although I would say bold. The other thing is getting home early. That's always the good thing, isn't it? Steve, can we vote more than once? Apparently not. Apparently not, they say. Uh, unless I suppose you've got two different devices, but I think it's only I think it's only one, Nicky. So thank you for that. And um, you pick a better name for the group. Brainchild instead of Boy's Life, says Tony. I just don't... Um, I just don't see that anybody's going to be interested in seeing dreary old Brian McFadden. He's the most boring person at the best of times. Really dull. I mean, just like, ugh, yuck, boring. And so there's two of them going out, singing the hits of Westlife and Boyzone. <laughs> Sounds awful, doesn't it? As I say, can't imagine who's going to be promoting that and putting their money into it. I mean, it was bad enough with, was it Nick Haynow or Ben Haynow? His tour, I mean, really, we playing to empty houses. I remember there was a certain person, I won't say who it was, but I played years and years ago, as you remember, the Fairfield Halls in Croydon. We played it twice, and um, it was packed. It was absolutely packed, because LBC's got a really, really loyal audience, and very grateful we are too. But in this particular case, next door was somebody from another group who was doing it as a solo thing, and we were on at the same time, because there's the Fairfield Halls, then there's the... A really posh theatre next door. The Fairfield Halls is nice. It's a concert hall. And so we did this one. The hall next door, they'd sold 30 seats. And in the end, they, they pulled the show. They said, he, he, he can't go on with just 30 people there. I thought, nobody's interested. You don't seriously think people are going to be interested in going to see Brian Fatty Boy Fat McFadden. He was never that interesting in the group anyway. And when he sort of walked out on it ages and ages ago, and they went, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> so, I mean, nobody's going to be buying tickets for that, are they, really? Apart from a few people. You've got to be a really die-hard fan. But why would you just go and pick two of the least interesting people? You'd want to go and see, you know, the whole... If they're going to do it, do it properly, but it's just the two of them. Oh, dear. Uh, Maggie says, I haven't heard that lovely word gushing since my late mother-in-law, who was my friend, said that's why she couldn't stand my ex-husband's second wife. Gushing. Gushing. And uh, Brian says, not only is your voice legendary... I keep diving to a dictionary whenever James O'Brien opens his mouth. No, you need a thesaurus. You need a thesaurus for James O'Brien. He comes up with words in the office. I keep saying to him, where'd you get that? Did you find these in the morning? I can't think of any other reason. <laughs> 84850, uk, And uh, another one here. Uh, somebody just voted for Kirsty Young in the female category. I'm a bit hurt by that. Kirsty Young, really? 
would have been my choice. I thought there were better ones on there. Um, Pauline Ho says Iggy Pop is the butcher's apron. Certainly, well, sorry, I couldn't have said something very rude then, actually. <laughs> oh, dear. Steve says, is camp when innuendos are deliberately inserted into speech? As far as I hear, you never use innuendos. Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't deliberately use innuendos. I never have done. I, I just sort of, we just do a programme. I don't, I don't, I think if you start analysing something, it gets a bit complicated, doesn't it? So we always think the best thing not to do is to analyse. But if you want to vote... You can go to the radiotimes.com website, click on the radio page, it drops down and then you can see vote for your favourite voice. And there's lots of choice. I mean, there really is lots of choice. And out of the whole country, you get uh, us 40, which is very sweet. So good luck to everybody there, including myself, I should imagine. News at five is approaching at a pace. Twitter's on the boil. Mary Berry uses shop-bought pesto. Female Viagra sends you to sleep, apparently. Found the gene that makes you go grey... We beat them at Waterloo, but the French could now be making our war medals. Leonardo DiCaprio picks up another D-list bimbo, and she'll be terribly excited. That's her claim to fame. Revealed the forest of 60 ancient oaks, more than 900 years old, and weather woman from the BBC finds boyfriend. It's the most boring story you'll ever hear in the newspapers. The house trapped in the 70s, and John McCrerick, whose uh, career has ground to a halt. His star has fallen off because he was so awful on Celebrity Big Brother. It was just vile. He's about now having to take adverts, as is Joey Essex, but we're laughing at him. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. You see, that's a voiceover voice. I mean, I could never do that. This is LBC. This is Steve. It just doesn't sound the same when I do it. Stephen Mills says, camp but cheeky. He says, I've been called that and worse. <laughs> but I saw you on the t- looking very good at the moment. There's so many good-looking people on the television. It's so sickening, honestly. I wish I could be, I wish I could be young and good-looking. Well, one out of two isn't bad. Anyway, it's nice to have you company. Welcome to Wednesday, the 2nd of March. I'm Steve Allen. This is early breakfast. I don't know why we call it early breakfast. You know, never once has anybody produced sausage, egg, bacon, fried bread. Nothing. Nothing. So we're loosely calling it early breakfast. I'm kind of the warm-up for the big act, which comes along a little bit later. On the programme this morning, diabetes and weather woman finds boyfriends. Very exciting. Carol Kirkwood's found a boyfriend. Whoopee! Hold your hands up and go, whoopee! Uh, I don't know why it should be interesting. I really don't. I, I always get a little bit worried about weathermen. It, was, it all started with Francis and his fluffy bits years and years ago. And he used to be on the television. And um, LBC used to have a weatherman. And uh, very good he was too. He hid, a, he hid a secret though, which I'm not sure I could tell you about on the programme this morning unless I, I check on the internet and discover whether it's common knowledge. Uh, plus the voyeurs in the paper today who've invaded the seaside location of the Dad's Army film. Kinky doggers, if you please. I'm not really sure I could use that kind of language at this time of the morning. Although actually, if you are a kinky dogger, this would be... This would be the time of the morning you'd be operating, I would have thought. But they're all heading down to, uh, or up to, Bridlington. Bridlington. That's like Accrington Stanley. Who are they? It's a bit like that, isn't it? Bridling. I like the sound of Bridlington. I'd love to live in a seaside resort. I would really. I was, t- I was talking. I went, oh, yesterday. Oh, Lord. Because I did the interview with Sir Ranulph Fiennes. I did that. He came in early, which was delightful. So the traffic coming in from Sky must have been brilliant. So I was Because normally, if, if I see them on Sky television, I think, oh, it's going to be an hour and a half before they get here, because it's, it's a terrible journey. And uh, he came in. He was in a very good mood, so we had a lovely chat. Then I go home, which was lovely. 
Then I come back into the studio at about two o'clock again yesterday to come in for the meeting to discuss the audience figures, where we sit down and they go through and they show all the shows and we all go, yeah, done very well. And uh, that was very nice. Then I went home on the train with one of the girls who works behind the scenes at uh, this, uh, this fabulous company. And we were ch- it was packed. I've never been on a train that was so packed in my... T- I said, is it like this all the time? Because I'm used to... The time I finish, quarter to seven in the morning, like today, I can, I can leave here. I can be home by half past seven. I won't be, because I'm meeting a friend. But normally I'd be home sort of fairly early. And the trains are relatively empty. This was heaving. So for all of you people who have to commute either in or out, it must be a nightmare. I mean, I said, do you do this every day? She said, yes. I said, is it like this every day? She said, yes. I went, it would drive me mad. It would absolutely drive me mad. It was so packed. It was just unnerving. I didn't like any of it. You know, luckily I had somebody to talk to on the journey back, so that was actually quite nice. But I hated the rest of it. The amount of people who pack onto trains. Terribly dangerous, I thought. (laughs) Terribly dangerous. And it's people shoving this way and shoving that way. I thought, I definitely wouldn't want to do this. I definitely wouldn't want to do it. So here's Leonardo DiCaprio in the papers today because he got his uh, Oscar. So huge round of applause. He's waited long enough for it. And uh, then he has a a booby, boozy, a booby. He had a boozy private bash. He always picks up some sort of bimbo type, somebody who's obviously a bit desperate. I want somebody to turn around and go, no, go away. Shoo. Go away. But uh, this particular one came is from Made in Chelsea star Lauren Hutton, who nobody's ever heard of. Nobody knows who she is. What on earth she thinks she's got in common? Lauren Hutton. I've never even heard of her. Which is embarrassing, isn't it? You know, when you get somebody and they go, Made in Chelsea star Lauren Hutton, I look at her and I go, who are you? Who are you? Your parents must be delighted. I'm sorry, what are you doing, dear? Anyway... Uh, he's already, this is Leonardo, hung around with a few Z-listers, including uh, Joey's ex, somebody called Roxy, who apparently is only something like 23, but looks like she's 60. I've never seen anybody who looks so old. You've got Laura Whitmore, who trots along to anything, like sort of the good... Li- come on, come on, Laura. Come on, come on, darling. Wander here, let's have a quick picture taken. All right, now, sod off again. And somebody from Geordie Shaw, Vicky Patterson. You know, he obviously likes being surrounded by these types, and they are D-list. They call them D-list in the papers today. They call them D-list. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, especially when you haven't heard of them. I mean, I hadn't heard of Joey Essex's uh, girl, Roxy. I certainly hadn't heard of uh, of Lauren Hutton. And... Um, and I sort of look at them and I think, are they just people who sort of come out and they go, oh, I'm, I'm from Made in, in Chelsea. And you go, OK, fine, you're Made in Chelsea. But who are you? And they go, oh, uh, Lauren Hutton. Uh, what, what do you do, dear? Model. Sorry? Model. Are you really? Good heavens above. For whom? For whom? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Simon said, remind me not to upset you. Five of us. He comes from Weybridge, poor soul. He said, five of us voted for you on the Radio Times poll. I'm having a look at your picture. Yes. What, what are you in? What are you in? I'm looking at the uniform. I don't know. You're obviously a fan of Chesa. And uh, <laughs> actually, I, I like going through people's pictures and everything else and finding out what, what people tweet. He's only got 23 pictures, so I'm not, I'm not too sure whether or not you actually qualify for being good enough for this, uh, this programme. <laughs> I only say that, actually, because I love it. And um, another one here. This says, I've just voted for you, says Margaret. Fingers crossed. Let's have a look at your, your picture, Margaret. Where have you gone? Come here. Don't disappear before now. And you come from Lancashire. It's the biggest Aspidistra in the world. <laughs> sorry. I always do that every time. It sounds dreadful. I'm so sorry. There's no reason for it. 
Seriously, the, the only reason I do it is to amuse myself first thing in the morning. doesn't take much. Uh, and then my friend Rich, who's working in another radio studio just around here, I, I walk past, I always wave. Because we, we wave. Seriously, it's the friendliest building you've ever been in. It's like being in the film Hairspray. The nicest kids in town. That's what they are around here. And I pad into the kitchen to get myself a cup of coffee. And I'm standing there thinking, I feel as I've gone a bit incontinent. Which doesn't mean I've been abroad. And I, thought, and I looked down and the floor's soaking wet and it's soaked through my socks because I walked through there with no shoes on. And I said to Rich, I said, and Coco, I said, oh, my feet are soaking wet now. And he went, where's your shoes? I said, take them off when I'm working. I can't help it. It's just one of those, I'm, I'm getting peculiar. The older I get, the more peculiar I'm becoming. Seriously. <laughs> uh, Joel is off on his holidays. But uh, he has voted. He says, you've moved on Sky. Yes, we have moved on Sky. We're on a different number now. Uh, and I can tell you exactly uh, what it is. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Bear with me one second. I had it, actually. Here we go. Uh, we've now moved to 0124 on the EPG. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? On the EPG. <laughs> the boss has put it down there, but I don't know what it means, actually. But uh, So we're on uh, 0124. Now, okay, got that one. So, Joel, you have a have a nice holiday. He's into horse racing now. He's into horse racing, which I, I, I quite I've, I have been to a few horse races, but not very good. And um, what else do we have here? Uh, uh, Balder says Steve Katie Price is an expert in making it all about her. I see she's done it again. I do not watch Moose Women. Moose Women, eh? It's true though, isn't it? Uh, Steve, Boys Own, no. Westlife, yes. They need the money, don't they? One of them, of course, who needs a lot of money because he lost a load in a, in a property collapse. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, he says, it's stu- why do people call this stupid o'clock? It's not stupid o'clock, Kevin. It's not stupid o'clock. He's going to Sky News to review the papers. That'll be a lot of makeup, won't it? I should I always like to say that to people who go up to Sky News. <laughs> and uh, what else do we have here? Quickly. Oh, yeah, apart from Stephen Milne. Who's probably on his uh, way home? I was no, I was not the star, Ian, of the uh, of the figures meeting. There were loads of people who were the stars. I kick off the day though. I kick off the day, and that's and that's actually good enough. Uh, somebody says, uh, Pauline says, I think your skill in presenting is the amount of enthusiasm you inject into the early hours. I, listen, how can you not be enthusiastic? I keep saying to people, how could you? How could you not like it? I couldn't understand anybody who ever came into this business. And, and I, I started to tell you earlier on, I've met loads of presenters and they go, oh, I, I don't want to do overnight. I want to do um, breakfast or, you know, main shows. And you go, why? Why would you want to do that? Why not be part of the wheel? Why not be part of the of the big story? I, I mean, that's what I like, actually. Uh, Steve, uh, finish night shift every day about this time. So for me, it's the best company for my actual early breakfast at Kelvin. Oh, I could eat early breakfast. Paul in Hover sent me a picture of my breakfast, which is uh, lovely. Oh, that looks nice, doesn't it? To it, no, you see, now you know I couldn't eat that. Even though, well, because it's got two things on there that I couldn't eat. And they're tomatoes, which I'm sure are delicious. And I eat tomatoes normally, but I don't like cooked tomatoes. Uh, I don't like eggs that look as though they're about to burst their banks. I like an egg that is cooked on both sides. And, uh, and that's, that's well known. Well known. Uh, Alex is a communication trainer. What in God's name is that? A communication trainer. He says, I'd like to weigh in on why your voice should win. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. 
He says, radio is an amazing communications medium that takes away 55% of normal communication, NVC or body language, leaving only tone, 38% and actual content, 7 Your voice is emotive. Emotive? I'm going to send this to my boss. And has a pitch and tone that conveys empathy. Your inflection is ideal for storytelling because it paces and leads the listener at a steady pace. I'm an avid listener to your show due to being up either travelling to training delivery or preparing for upcoming training. Yes, I mean, my, my boss does say to me, he has said on previous cases, he said, he said, nobody tells a story like you tell a story. And I said, right. I said, but I don't go out of it. EPG, apparently, is Electronic Programme Guide. Thank you, Russ. In Birkenhead. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, dear me. Goodness. And I don't know why, Martin. I don't know. Right, that's you voted for, Steve. And, uh, and Lynn Bowles. You know, she used to work on my, my programme, Trucker Phil. Lynn used to work on my programme. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And uh, who will you be voting for on the best voice poll, says Manuel? <laughs> you won't believe it. I voted for myself. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so cheeky. I voted for myself. I thought nobody else would vote. So I thought, if I actually vote for myself, and um, I thought, at least I get one. And uh, TV Kevin, they've got to give you a column back, Kev. They've got to give you the column back. The lame person who's doing it at the moment, it's absolutely dreadful. I mean, I mean it, it really is dreadful. It's absolutely awful. It's two pages. I slagged it off on... I didn't slag it off. I was just... I just said it was rubbish. They need to get you back there. But he said, it seriously is stupid o'clock. No, no, it's not. It's, it's called a part... Listen, look at it this way, Kevin. This is the way to look at it. You're going in to earn money. And all you've got to do... Somebody's going to put some makeup on you, make you look attractive. All right, so you're getting there nice and early. That's good. And <laughs> so you're getting there. They're going to give you some money for this. And then you can go back home and then you can put your feet up and do some tweeting later on. I always, I always look at it as a bonus. I never think it's stupid o'clock because I think London, as you know, is a 24-hour city. If you've been used to working during daytime, then it probably is slightly off kilter. But, you know, to thousands and millions of people, uh, this is just normal. We've been doing this for donkey's year. We never think about it. We never think about it. Although we, we do enjoy the, uh, the TV reviews. We like them as much online, but I want them back in the paper. But we've had this before. I don't... Uh, I go back to, even before you, Margaret Forward. I used to use Margaret Forward as my TV critic. And, uh, oh, God, when I think of all the people from Fleet Street who have passed through my hands, so to say, uh, I think we've had everybody, just about everybody. Marcus Berkman the other day, uh, somebody said, has got a book out which I was very excited. Uh, Quinn in Rotherhide says, has medium cotton chips in Eltham, £5. This is after I complained bitterly about the price of chips in Leicester Square. £7 for two portions of chips. Seven quid. Honestly, they must think we're made of money. Mind you, we must think we're made of money as well. I'm not even going to mention the mirror while you're sitting in the back of the car, because I, uh, I think it's wrong, Kevin. So instead, we'll take a short break when I tell you it's just gone quarter past five. <laughs> Nick of the team this morning, as you can well imagine, it's Trump. Uh, he wants to build a wall to stop the Mexicans getting in. He wants a total shutdown on Muslims entering the US. And he thinks the Paris terror attacks could have been prevented if everyone had a gun. Is the West going to the political right? And could a UK Donald Trump work? I bet if you did a, I bet if you did a survey of people out there... You know, would people be saying, yes, I would vote for Donald Trump? You'll find out with Nick Ferrari later on this morning. Former glamour model Katie Price in all the papers says she wouldn't have kept her son Harvey had she known about his disabilities when she was pregnant. Do the comments make her a bad mum? 
And Nick speaks to the Foreign Secretary, Philip Hammond, ahead of his EU referendum speech this morning. That's Nick of the team at seven, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Matt Fry, the Channel 4 Europe editor and presenter, will be looking through the papers. Over on Sky, it's Kevin O'Sullivan, who still thinks it's st- stupid o'clock in the morning, which actually he might, he might be right. He might be right. And um, but because if you're not used to getting up at this time, it must be a nightmare for those of us who live this end of the day. Because people say to me, do you go home to bed after you finish? I go, no, I've been to bed. I've been to bed and got up. So this is now my my day until about six, six thirty, seven o'clock this evening when I toddle off into bed again. You have to adjust it. That's what Sheila Fogarty said to me the other day. People don't realise that you have to literally change your lifestyle. I don't miss out on anything at all. I really don't. I can do everything that everybody else does. It's just that I choose... Well, I mean, I could go out if I wanted to during the week, but I, I decide that I don't want to because I wouldn't actually concentrate on the programme. No point in sitting here half asleep when you've got a speech programme. If you've got a music programme, it's probably a little bit easier. But if you do a speech-based programme, it's quite difficult to, to actually do things like that. Should we make a prediction? Should we make a prediction on the programme this morning that the romance between Cheryl, Spagbol and Liam is finished? Should we make a prediction on that one? I don't believe it's a romance. I'm just getting the feeling that this is a bit of publicity. This is a bit of made-up brouhaha. I don't think there's anything. Because they say, that the fans do, that uh, their joint selfie pictures have been swapped for moody solo selfies. I don't know why she's doing it. We're always told that uh, Cheryl Watsaface is uh, is publicity shy. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. He, he, he might be a bit dreary. In fact, actually, boring would be a very good description. He just sort of sits there and stares into the world. And, uh, and she spends most of her time sort of showing you her tattoos and, and doing sort of like, you know, take-me-take-me take me poses. Which I think is a bit sad, really, for an old woman of 32. I say old woman, Kevin. You do appreciate the fact in the business that, you know, she's been around for ages. She's not really a singer. She's not really anything. She was just some girl from, you know, the wrong side of Newcastle who made an early court appearance and who then sort of ended up being sort of everybody's favourite. But I shouldn't imagine you could have a conversation with her. I think she'd probably just sit there and smile sweetly and look like that. A little bit like that woman from Kids Company, Camilla. She just sat there and, uh, and smiled sweetly. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan thinks I'm a, a wise man. A wise man. He says, the new TV spread is a witless tragedy. It's awful. Why do they... This is a thing that annoys me about papers, which anybody who's ever listened to this programme, you know, over the, uh, the years and the weeks and the months and the days and the hours and the minutes and the seconds will realise that I very much survive on the papers and I've had my columnists over the years that I like. And Kevin O'Sullivan did a fantastic column. And when somebody axes it and they put in two pages of drivel, you start thinking, are you mad? Why would you want to act something that's really, really good to put in something that's really, really bad? And to look at the poor creature who's got to front it up. I mean, I'm assuming they sort of stuck a red in a wind tunnel and went, OK, take the picture now. And he goes, <laughs> and blows the hair up all out there. It looks ridiculous. It's just awful. It's, it's just dreadful. Dreadful. So uh, I, I have sympathy, but you know that because uh, we've mentioned it before. Uh, Mr Jones says, last night I said to my other half, because I'm on nights, he said, but at least I can listen to Steve Allen. So that's good. It's awful, actually, isn't it? He's, he's a train driver, is Mr Jones. Sometimes he's a DJ. And uh, he loves pizza, house music and hot dogs. Sorry, hot dogs. <laughs> I read it wrong. I read it wrong. Hot dogs. No, not, not warm canines or anything like that. Actually, to be honest with you, I nearly had hot dogs yesterday. When I got in yesterday evening, I was, uh, I was a wee bit tired. And somebody said, you can have something to eat on the way home. I said, I, I really can't. I really can't. So I literally got in. I didn't have anything. And I had a super night's sleep. Sort of. Uh, Margaret has just got back from Bournemouth. What are you doing down in Bournemouth? You know that's God's waiting room. 
She said, mingled with you, lovely southerners. One complaint, no mushy peas. <laughs> we don't do mushy peas. We, Margaret, we don't do mushy peas. It's, it's not for us. It's, it's, it's not for us. We don't, we don't do them. It's, a, it's like gravy on your chips. I'm sure it's delightful. I'm sure it's charming. It's just not for us. It really isn't. We've only just got used to in the ivy over the years having corned beef hash. And everywhere you go now, isn't it funny? Bangers and mash is like posh grub. Bangers and mash, I ask you. Mind you, you can't beat bangers and mash, can you? Or bangers and with onion gravy. That is, de- that is delicious. Balder reckons that uh, Cheryl is desperate. Well, she's always been classed as desperate, yes. Uh, she wants a baby and a successful marriage, so Liam could be spoilt rotten. Now, interestingly enough, I mean, I, I would think that would be a total disaster if they managed to um, manage to get pregnant. Kevin's at uh, Sky News. Nice chatting. It's like CB radio, isn't it, Kev? Like CB radio. OK, uh, break a break for a copy. Talk to you tomorrow. Catch you later. I'm down. I'm out. I'm gone. That's how it works, isn't it? I used to have CB radio years ago. I had CB radio. <laughs> Nobody wanted to talk to me. They were all doing long conversations. I had a friend of mine and she, she was on CB radio. She'd go on to it when she got back from work in the evening about seven o'clock. She'd still be on it at seven in the morning. And then she'd go off to work and sort of spend a day sort of half asleep. But she was addicted to CB radio. I, I used to find it terribly tedious. Terribly tedious because you, you, you'd sort of meet somebody. And, and I think it was just a dating app, wasn't it? That's what I thought, pre, you know, sort of the prelude to a dating app. And I remember thinking... You find somebody like the sound of, and you go, okay, crank it up to 22, and then you turn the little dial on your thing, and it would go to 22, and then they go, are you there? Hello? Oh, they've gone. They don't want to talk to me. They thought I was boring. (laughs) Very interesting, isn't it? I love stuff like that. I do love stuff. There's another storm. This is Storm Jake. It's all the J's. Storm Jake has struck, and they say winter is going to roar back, ladies and gentlemen. Minus 13 degrees, nothing. What do you think uh, our guest for the weekend had? Our explorer. Minus 56. Minus 56. And um, Ranulph Fiennes, Sir Ranulph Fiennes, cut his own fingers off with a circular saw. He will tell you the story. I'll I'll tell you now. It sounds better coming from him. That he came back and his fingers were frostbitten, which means that the tips of, I think, three of his fingers um, had mummified. They, 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 they were completely dead. So, in other words, there was no life form in them. So he could effectively cut them off without any mishap. And so I think he came back and they, they said they weren't going to cut them off for some reason. But he decided he was going to cut them off. So his wife held his hand down and he started to cut with a circular saw around the finger. If he said it hurt and I got blood, I was in the real finger, he said. So I moved the thing a little bit further up. It sounded horrendous. It sounded horrendous. But in the end, he cut three of his fingers off. And so he's just lost the, the tips of them. He's got, he nearly became Bond. He nearly became James Bond at one point. I'll, we'll tell you the story on Sunday morning. But I looked at the size of his hands, and I looked at the size of my hands, and I've got girly hands. Beautiful, incidentally, by the way. If you ever see my hands, take a good look at them. They are particularly gorgeous. But it's, uh, he's, he's got big, thick, chunky hands, and that was the thing that stopped him being Bond, which is interesting, isn't it? Uh, 84850... You say you've never heard of Lauren Hutton. Well, I've heard of the famous Lauren Hutton, not the, not the D-lister. Yes, I've heard of her. She was the face of Revlon and everything else. But not, the, not this uh, one that's in, made in Chelsea. I've never heard of her. We've heard of the Lauren Hutton, but I'm afraid um, not the other one. Uh, Anna Boateng of Sky News takes her shoes off. And your colleague, Mr Ian Dale, says James, is rumoured to have tickled her feet once during a paper review. Good Lord. A lot of people take their shoes off, don't they? 
lot of people take their, their shoes off, but I, I, I quite like doing that. Especially now I need to dry out the socks as well. Uh, Jane's voted for me. I finished at 8 o'clock this morning, Steve. Back at Clapham Junction, 8.15, but love to laugh at the people running for trains. Why? Get up five minutes earlier, perhaps. I love having the train to myself, and I pity the rat racers, says Brett in Balham, working in Old Wandsworth Town. You're taking your shoes off as well. I'm so glad I'm in here. Every day. It's so much... It's nicer. And do you... Do you I wiggle my toes backwards and forwards. Do you sometimes... I go out to make cups of tea in my socks. I know somebody said to me, my friend Mike Osborne, he said to me, he said, where are your shoes? I said, I take them off when I do the programme. He thought I was mad. Absolutely mad. But there's a bloke called Tom who works around in one of our sister stations and he works in flip-flops. But he's from New Zealand, so, I mean, they, they, they have an excuse, don't they, that, uh, that they wear flip-flops. And, of course, it is very good. I know, I know it's not a great look, but it's, it's supposed to be very good for your feet to actually get air to them and things like that. I've got, I've got to go for my diabetic foot checkup next week uh, on Wednesday. So when I do the programme Wednesday morning, I shall be rushing home and... Uh, oh, dear. Uh, Steve, I live in the same village as Phil Vickery. I'm up cooking eggs, bacon, sausage, mushrooms, fried bread. Stop it. Stop it. Black pudding and beans. Oh, not black pudding, please. I had a producer the other week. Is it Kevin? Mike, Mike, I always get confused. I always call him Kevin. I don't know why. What have I never answered first time? And uh, I call him Kevin, but his real name's Mike. And he's had white pudding, which uh, then Phil Phil Vickery told us it was white. It sounded disgusting. It sounded absolutely horrendous. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Paul Martin from Floggett is 56 this year. I uh, thought he was about 48, really. I thought he was about 70. And uh, I voted for you. James O'Brien couldn't have praised you more, says Wendy. So people tell me. So people tell me. And um, and I've got no idea why, but it's very flattering. And um, and then and people were sort of you know voting on the strength of that, which is lovely. I'm not going to win, but at least we've at least we made an effort, haven't we? At least we've sort of pushed it forward and gone. Listen, you know, he's getting on a bit. We'd hate him to die without getting an award or something. Only guessing. LBC News Time, 5.30, latest headlines for you. Lisa Aziz. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have a company. 26 minutes to six. Also in the paper today, apart from freezy does it, snow joke, a storm Jake strikes in. It's going to be down to minus this and minus that and... It's the same old, same old. I was checking on the weather forecast earlier on, and uh, and they said it is going to get colder, and there is the chance that we could have snow and sleet showers. I don't think it's going to be down here. Uh, Cheryl Kebab and Chips and Leanne's relationship, maybe eight months, says Jane. I don't think it's going to be um, as long as eight months. I really don't. I think it's sort of publicity, because she's had really dreadful publicity, and he's just dull. And so that's the worst you can ever say about anybody, is that they're boring. Out of the whole group, you know. So what's he like? He's boring. And, uh, and so two boring people... To, I mean, what on earth think they're going to be talking about? What in common have they got? Answer, nothing. He drives a flash car, probably talks to himself a lot, probably looks in the mirror and goes, I am beautiful. And she's looking in the mirror going, he thinks I'm beautiful. <laughs> and everybody else is going, it's fake. I don't believe it. I don't believe they're an item. I just don't believe it. I think it's done for publicity purposes to try and get her some publicity and trying to get him out of the doldrums of, oh, God, he's really boring. I've taken my shoes off at work for many years, Steve. The other day, my new boss asked why I had no shoes on and said it was against health and safety and insisted I put them back on. I work in an office. Well, well, I mean, I, I can't answer that one because I don't know whether it's health and safety. And I've never heard of anybody 
saying to me, you know, coming into the studio and going, health and safety, Steve, can you put your shoes back on again? I mean, why, why would that be health and safety? And so I, I would say, listen, I have to. In case you need to a fire escape, well, I can run in socks, believe you me. But also, you see, I would use diabetes as my excuse. That would be my excuse. I go, listen, as a diabetic, I need to make sure that my feet are getting, uh, getting air. <laughs> I think that's about, as, that's about as good as it gets, I think. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, the, the man who died was the actor George Kennedy. He won an Oscar in Cool Hand Luke. He's, uh, he's 91. If you saw him, you would go, oh, yes, I know who he is. But you wouldn't know who his name you wouldn't know who his, who his name is. He carved out a niche as one of the most capable ensemble stars. That's supporting cast. And, as I say, you would know a picture of him, and you'd go, oh, that's, oh, that's, that's what his name is, is it? George Kennedy. Yes. He was, he was fantastic. 91. He was a what? He was the, the partner in Naked Gun as well. He was also in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. In fact, he's been in tons and tons of films. You would know him. He also got a, an Oscar... In 1968, uh, supporting actor, Cool Hand Luke. He's appeared in more than 200 films. He was Leslie Nielsen's sidekick, as you just heard, and J.R. Ewing's rival in Dallas. Oh, yes! Of course! That's where you'd know him from. Swellen, you're a drunk. I used to love that programme. I used to be addicted. Until I saw the house that it was filmed at. They, they used the outside of the house... Uh, this is supposed to be some super-rich family. I mean, it makes a mockery of it now, doesn't it, really? And then the interior shots were shot in the studio. But JR used to come in with that ridiculous Stetson on and swell and would be lurching around the sitting room. <laughs> she was possibly one of the campus figures in a, you know, I, I, J.R., I love you. Swellen, you're a drunk. And, that's, uh, and then Miss Ellie, who was still having conversations on the phone with her, her beloved jock, yet we knew he was dead because we'd read the obit in the paper and she's still, Oh, jock, is that you? Are you coming home soon? Swellen, you're a drunk. Uh, yeah, that was JR in the background. <laughs> I used to love the programme. Seriously. And after they had Who Shot JR and it turned out to be Kirsten, they, they brought it in. They, they, they came in with security at Heathrow Airport. We were, we were addicted to it. There have been certain films and programmes and TV series over the years, series, um, which we've become addicted to. Brideshead Revisited was another classic one, wasn't it? Where they sort of made homosexuality acceptable for a brief period. And we had Anthony Blanche. And we had so many good programmes, but the JR and Dallas was great. Then we had Dynasty, as they called it in America. We called it Dynasty. Knott's Landing was another one. Didn't quite take off in the same way, but we just liked the world of the super rich. Although when you looked at the world of the super rich in Dallas, they were living in crummy houses. I mean, they really were. Even old Phil Barnes, or whatever his name, Barnes was. I mean, he was living in a crummy house as well. But nothing was as crummy as the place that these super rich Ewings lived in. I thought they'd be in a mansion. Put them in a mansion. And they do tours, don't they, of, you know, this was the house. But they never used the interior shot of it. Here's uh, so-called betting expert John McCrerick, who's way past his sell-by date. Uh, he reckons a day at the races is the perfect place to pull. So because he's so desperate to try and get some sort of work, they managed to persuade him to take his uh, shirt off, dressed him up in another one of his silly little show-off outfits, because he's, I don't believe he's an eccentric. I just think he's slightly cracked. And he's stripped off to, uh, for a photo shoot. He's 75 now. I have to be honest, he's, he's a classic, classic example of why 75-year-olds shouldn't strip off. He needs a good iron. He's got saggy man boobs. It's really awful. And uh, he's, he thinks it's a better place to pick up than on a night out. So he says, uh, you can chat up a bird and pretend you need a betting tip. I don't go to many discos these days, but it's far easier than a nightclub. 
Oh, dear. He was so ghastly in the thing, and then they dropped him, and he became all sort of hoity-toity when he was dropped by Channel 4 Racing, because they, they went to a different company, and they didn't want John McCurick. He was a bit sort of old-school, and they didn't, they, they didn't like him. Uh, there are calls to scrap the BBC Trust. Uh, they should not be allowed to police itself after the Jimmy Savile scandal, says a damning new report. Uh, the report says Ofcom must have the role of overseeing the flawed broadcaster. Yes, I have to be honest, I don't think they are fit for purpose at the BBC. They've got no idea what's going on at all. And having spent six and a half million quid, you know, deciding that uh, Tony Blackburn should be fired and nobody in hierarchy should ever be held responsible for anything in the entire universe, including anything that Jimmy Savile got up to, because nobody knew. Nobody knew about it. Nobody had any idea what was going on. They hadn't heard the whispers. They were deaf. They were dumb, and they were really blind. They didn't know anything that was going on with Jimmy Savile. That's what she concluded. Yes, white-haired old woman called a dame. There ain't nothing like a dame. Certainly not like this one, anyway. And apparently we have to all trust her. I don't have to trust her. I wasn't part of the investigation. I couldn't care less either way. I just think to myself that uh, something at the BBC stinks very badly, and I suspect it's higher management. They just seem to be blissfully unaware. Whereas, in fact, if you're running a company, you know exactly what's going on. You know exactly what you're supposed to. It's what puts you at the top of the company, doesn't it? So I think the idea of taking it away from the BBC, uh, the government's decision uh, will be on future regulation, and Ofcom will just have to wait until that comes out. Because up until now, the BBC just go, so-and-so, uh, so-and-so, and we have suspended somebody from BBC Radio Solent, and we've got rid of them, and that's it. And, oh, we're going to bring them back in again, because they are a bunch of ninnies, an absolute bunch of ninnies. They didn't know about Stuart Hall, they didn't know about Jimmy Savile, they probably don't know of the things that are going on under their noses, even as I sit here this morning at 19 minutes to six and appeal to you, ladies and gentlemen. God knows I appeal to you. ISIS appeal to nobody, the Islamic State fanatics... These pathetic murdering paedophiles, because that's what they are, have released a death list of 1,065 people they've murdered in one city in the past year. This document has been put up in police stations and a hospital. Uh, These people have been punished by jihadis in uh, Mosul in Iraq. They put together uh, people including teachers... Moderate religious leaders, doctors, who oppose the group's brutal methods. It's a shame, actually, because you'd like to tie them all down and execute all of them. But then, of course, that makes us as bad as they are. Uh, Most people were executed in the desert and the bodies dumped in a mass grave. Relatives themselves risk execution if they show emotion at seeing a loved one's name on the list. Apparently, an outpouring of grief is viewed as a criticism of the regime's actions. Do you remember the other day they executed a 15... Was it a 15-year-old boy? Because he was listening to pop music. These people are sickos. They should be dangling at the end of a rope. But as I say, that makes us as, as bad as them. So in other words, if, if, you, if you were caught smoking and watching football, that's also um, that's punishable by, by death. They're just a bit sick, really. Uh, Mosul residents said dozens of people come to the centre to search for the names of relatives. Uh, members of the group were heavily armed and they were watched, watching reactions of the people closely to see if anybody cried. They cry? Get them out here. You're executed. That's what they do. I mean, one man put his hand over uh, over a woman to stop her crying out because she saw her son's name on the list. But uh, the picture that's in the paper today, as if this uh, lad who was beheaded for listening to pop music, these people are going straight to hell. If there is such a thing as heaven and hell, they're going nowhere near the heaven bit. They're going straight to burn in the fires of hell. There is no excuse for what they do. They're pathetic, stupid, ignorant. Ugh. You can't even think of, you can't even use words on the radio, can you, to actually describe what they uh, what they are, which is awful. Uh, Steve, 
Oh, mistake. I was told you'd won the award. <laughs> she says, but you jolly well deserved it. I know there's nobody like you. And uh, she says, I have joined the ranks of a Steve Allen junkie. All the best. That was the lady. Yes, we had tea together uh, some, some time ago, wasn't it? She says, and appeared to agree with Mr Ferrari that all my friends were dreary. He upset a few people then. Thank you, Anna. Very much indeed. Actually, it's, it's, it is interesting, isn't it, that over the years you listen to LBC, you know the presenters, you know the people on here, you know you know the ones, I think you probably know people's political leanings. The one thing you could never say about Steve Allen, talking about himself in the third party, is you'd never know my political leanings. I don't think anybody's ever got it right, actually. Somebody had a good guess at it in my process of elimination, I went, oh, if you're not that, not that, oh, you must be this. But uh, I never discuss it, never, never comes into it at all, never comes into it. So who are the uh, celebrities... This is going wild for Bear. And they've got here uh, Samantha Barks, an actress who appeared on I'll Do Anything. Why do I know her? Jason Gardner, former dance... Oh, she was in Les Mis, Samantha Barks. Uh, Jason Gardner, the Dancing on Ice judge. Good God, he's not still around, is he? Good heavens above. Alex Scott. Oh, you'll know Alex Scott, won't you? Alex Scott is England footballer who plays for Arsenal Ladies. Uh, Stuart Pearce former England football captain. Uh, Michelle Collins, Chelsea Healy. Oh, Christ, not that dreary old baggage again. God, she's been on enough dreary. Can't you go uh, get a proper job, dear? Neil Morrissey is on as well. And uh, then they've got uh, survival experts. But it's, it's Bear Grylls who's the star, as far as I'm concerned. What a nice man. What a nice man. But Chelsea Healy. God, your heart drops. Every time you see her name, anyway, you go, ooh, get out of that party quickly as possible. And then uh, people were complaining about Yorgie Porter. I think just generally they like complaining about Yorgie Porter because she's a bit simple. And she was tweeting pictures claiming she was having a panic attack in the back of a taxi, which of course she was having no such thing. And, um, and not, um, you know, not, not, not in a good way. People say she was trivialising people who do have panic attacks. Paul says, whilst the BBC don't divulge individual salaries... I'd like to know what the total wage bill is for the whole of the Beeb. Well, you wouldn't, you'd never find that out. There isn't a total wage bill. It would be split up into all different groups. There'd be presenters. There would be, uh, you know, background staff. Man- oh, God, no, it would split up. You'd never find out the total bill. And also, why, why should they divulge individual salaries? Why, why, why would it be of any interest to anybody what somebody earns? Some people, well, we, we learnt that um, uh, uh, Tony Blackburn's salary was worth about £200,000 a year. Well, you know, that's that's fine if that's what people choose to believe. But to be honest with you, it's, it's got nothing to do with anybody, how much people earn. I don't know how much the producer earns. I've no interest in it whatsoever. So why would I care? Why would I care? He doesn't know what I earn. Pfft, yeah, right. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. It makes no difference, does it? Different, but, I mean, put it way, the Prime Minister earns more money than I do. Or does he? 14 minutes to six. This is LBC with Steve Allen. It's Wednesday. It's cold out there today. It's cold out there today, but you would expect me to say no less on a Wednesday because we've, we've kind of got away with it this year, haven't we? We're still, I know that certain parts of the country have had their fair share of snow and stuff like that. Down here in London, being southern Jessies, we haven't had anything like that at all. Elton John is in many of the papers today. Uh, all of a sudden, you can't shut Dame Elton up. This time, it's on his children, his boys who will not inherit his fortune. And so there's a picture of him and uh, and David Furnish, who looks more creepy by the day, actually, for some reason. And, uh, and the two children, Elijah and Zachary, who are two and five. Now, that's fine. I don't have a problem. Elton is 68. I mean, you know, 
is, is he going to go for another 10 years and make it to 78? I don't know. But even if he does, Zachary's only going to be 15. And he goes, and I, they won't inherit my fortune. Well, who's going to look after them? Social services. What's going to happen with them? They're just going to be sort of thrown to the wind, are they? Hope you've made provision for them, for goodness sake. What happens if both David and Elton die? Who looks after the children? Do they sort of get taken into somebody else's household? They're gorgeous kids. They really are gorgeous kids. But, you know, I don't like the idea of sticking them on the front of a paper going, why my boys won't inherit my £200 million fortune. I thought that was the idea of having children. You, you smother them with love and, and affection and money. And they go, no, Paul McCartney's done the same. You know, I want the kids to get out there and learn the value of money. Well, that's fine. That's fine. But don't sort of make sweeping statements when you really don't know, you know, one day from another. Uh, Katie Price, they're going to be talking about this with Nick Ferrari this morning. I would probably have aborted Harvey if I'd known he'd be born blind. But then she says, I was young and I've admitted that, uh, you know, I probably would have aborted him. But luckily I didn't. And uh, it was because I was like, oh, my God, it's blind. As opposed to he's blind. It's blind. And so she was there on Loose Women with Susanna Reid. Unfortunately, Loose Women does turn into a little bit of a platform for the boring Miss Price. Uh, who sort of comes up with any old gubbins that people are in. Why would you ever want to say something like that on television? Even if you do mean it, you know, don't say it because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You don't have to explain to the two other children what the word aborted is, and then you have to go through all the explaining of exactly, you know, what that means, why you would have sort of terminated his life. Because if you'd known that he was going to be born blind and with all these illnesses, you wouldn't have wanted him around. You know, she uses him as a crutch on a lot of occasions... And it's, uh, it's a shame, really, but she does treat the programme as if she can just sit there and spout off her own stuff. Whereas, in fact, nobody's remotely interested. Not remotely interested. Uh, other stories. Good heavens above, a picture of Mr. Uh, of Mr. Jeremy Corbyn. He's still around, is he? He thinks, he thinks that he's Phil Mitchell. He says, I often ask myself, what would Phil Mitchell do? You know, should I have an affair with my brother's wife? Should I burn down a local car dealer? Should I beat up Ian? Should I marry a lunatic? Solved. And so they've got uh, Mr Corbyn here, revealing he's a very big EastEnders fan. And the BBC soap is his moral compass, ladies and gentlemen. Moral compass. I've always wanted a drone. Not, not to drone on, but to a drone. And apparently 23 near misses with aircraft have now been registered with these drones. And you can buy them anywhere. I mean, literally, they are available. I can, I can walk down the road here to a shop at the end, Maplins, and they've got drones in the window. What do people use them for? I don't want to use the, you know, the patently obvious. I mean, but some of these, these things are quite big. They do look as though they're almost industrial strength. And I wonder, really, you know, uh, you know, whether or not, you know, people are using them for covert viewing and stuff like that. I've never seen them flying over the Thames. I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to see some flying over the Thames. And I'm sure that they probably use them for, you know, football matches and stuff like that. But they have stuff on wires, don't they? All the cameras whiz backwards and uh, backwards and forwards. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Tony Blackburn's an institution, says CJ. To the likes of you and me, a genuinely nice person, any self-respecting person at the BBC should hang their heads in shame. Yes, I mean, it's, it's interesting. They, they were making sort of jokes about the DG... Uh, yesterday at the meeting, saying that, of course, it's the battle of the two Tonys, because Tony Hall is the uh, is the uh, the man who sort of made that decision. No, he's got to go based on what white-haired old woman says. So, uh, so that was that. And also, he didn't agree with what we said. We said, you did this meeting. He said, I can't remember it. And uh, they said, well, you did. You've got to go. It's as simple as that. Never been charged with anything. In fact, if anything, the, the person who actually interviewed him 
says that, you know, he was completely exonerated. So it's turned into a bit of a millstone around their neck. But they don't care. They're a bit like the royal family. The royal family, if anybody ever says, you know, uh, why do you do it? They just do what they want to do. So in other words, if they decide, after somebody dies, after the Queen Mother dies, the staff are out, out on their ear. Backstairs, Billy was out as fast as possible. They couldn't get rid of him quick enough. They just don't like people. Even their nanny. She made the cardinal sin of doing a lovely interview with a magazine. Oh, that was it. They kicked her out straight away. She was persona non grata. I think they only acknowledged her death. That was the one. I mean, oh dear, she'd looked after the kids and brought them up. But the moment she did a little interview with a magazine, that was the, that, whew, the royal family's wrath spreads far and wide. They think nothing of shoving people into homes and leaving them there. Oh, no, 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 no. Put it this way, don't cry over Diana, but cry over a corgi in the Royal Yacht Britannia going. It's as simple as that. I had a CB radio, Steve, uh, in the 80s, as my dad was an engineer and a geek. Do you remember picking a window where you could self, uh, yourself and a fellow CB a speak without people earwigging? Yes. Then you could have an eyeball. I thought it was... I did interviews on people who had CB radios. And to be honest with you, you don't... Um, you don't actually... Do them. We don't have them anymore, do we? Do we have CB radios? Well, I suppose now you just have a telephone. Oh, I suppose CB radio is different from telephone. But do, I mean, does anybody have these things? Housewives of Cheshire seem to have faded away, says Jane. I think actually they, um, they actually faded away in exactly the same way as they faded in and nobody took any notice of them. They were ghastly. Ghastly. Horrible bunch of people. Horrible. They weren't even interesting. Uh, James says, Cheryl and Leanne Payne's relationship is as full-on and as passionate as Fern and George Shelley's was. Yes. I have to be honest, I thought that was a slightly, uh, slightly, uh, slightly strange relationship. In fact, I thought it was a very strange relationship, which, of course, as we now realise, wasn't really a proper relationship at all. And uh, another one here says, um, George Kennedy was in the Phil Silver show. Oh, oh, was he really? Ah, right. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. He's he's instantly recognisable. Instantly recognisable. And... uh, Nice, nice. What's the uh, what's the new day like? I'll tell you. Uh, having a look on the front page, my song of hope. Brave Ellie creates celebrity super band to save sick kids like her. So she's got Jack Whitehall in it. Uh, Sarah Millican loves Sarah Millican. Really loves Sarah Millican. She's just got one of those funny voices. I'm kind of warming to Jack Whitehall. I don't want to, but I am kind of. Um, James Corden, who's just really done what everybody else wants to do in this country. They want to conquer America. They want to conquer America, and they can't do it. Uh, Sophie Ellis-Bexter, because we had her mum in, and, uh, and Ben, lick me, I'm a lollipop shepherd, because he absolutely adores himself. Uh, in the paper today, I do like the, uh, the paper that they actually uh, print on. Stephen Mulhern is in the paper today. This is in New Day. It's 25 pence a trial price. I always think that's slightly disturbing. But anyway, uh, Stephen Mulhern sickeningly good, very good magician, Stephen Mulhern, very, very good magician, has ruled himself out of uh, presenting The X Factor live on ITV. The Britain's Got More Talent host has been linked to the show after Ollie Murs and Caroline Flack were ditched but rejected the idea on Good Morning Britain. Yes, I mean, he'd, he'd be very good. He'd be very good. He's very good at what he does. And they seem to like, everybody seems to like working with him, so that's good. Also, he listens to this programme, so I kind of think that's a bit of a bonus. You know, if you get people on, on the television who, who say that they listen to the uh, the programme, I always think, you know, well, that's lovely, actually. That's really, really nice. Uh, what else in the paper today? They've got Katie Piper uh, looking at all sorts of things. And Terry Christian. Oh, by the way, it's no, 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 no. 
to female Viagra. They say it's a bit of a flop and sends you to sleep. And, um, and Terry Christian, who is still down as a sort of a, a sort of a television and radio presenter. I don't quite know what he does, but I'm sure he's around. He says he's uh, owed £600 in cab fares for, for something from one of the, uh, the companies. It's a bit boring, actually, a bit, a bit tedious. But there is an inspirational batsman here. He's got no arms. He bats bowls and will catch you out with his feet. With his feet. Honestly, whatever you complained about in your life, ladies and gentlemen, it's certainly not as bad. Mother's Day is 6th of March, so that's, that's coming up this Sunday, isn't it? Will you be buying into the, uh, oh, we must go and buy cards and we must go and buy this and that. And the answer is probably yes more than anything else. Probably yes more than anything else. 84850, steve at uk. It's lovely to have your company. It's Wednesday morning, 2nd of March. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. The new diet that can fight diabetes. They reckon in 12 days. Uh, the Drink Drive XMP, who thought he was safe behind the wheel, he'd had four glasses of Prosecco. Pfft, please. I'm the expert. Schools must ban tackling in rugby, says a top doctor. What? What a bunch of man be pack. Would, would one like to pass the ball over? Thank you so... Don't tackle me, don't tackle me. Things could go pear-shaped. Might as well close down uh, the stadium in Twickenham now. You not think? Drones having misses with aircraft. Mr Kipling is exceedingly good as an export. And swingers have invaded Bridlington. Gold help us, Gov. It's all happening this morning. It's LBC. Eating Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Wednesday, 2nd of March. Nice to have your company. Cold, cold, cold. Wrap up warm. Might be snow, might be ice, might be sleet, might be just about anything, really. So don't uh, don't actually hedge your bets on too many of them. Uh, the super deal for TV sicko Joey Essex. He's uh, can't manage to get a TV programme and he can get an advert, apparently, where he sort of, uh, apparently sort of takes the mickey out of himself. So we laugh at him again. He's, uh, he's really thick. We beat them at Waterloo, but the French could now be making our war medals. Leonardo DiCaprio hangs around with another D-lister. This time it's from Made in Chelsea, somebody you've never heard of. Katie Price, you know about. And Mary Berry uses shop-bought pesto. Twitter's gone into a meltdown. Can't imagine why, goodness sake. How do people get so up in arms? Mind you, Kate Winslet has denied... I am not pregnant. Remember there was a rumour yesterday, which we gave you on the programme, when somebody patted her, her stomach. And, of course, everybody then goes, she's obviously pregnant. She's obviously pregnant. Why they can't just come out and ask a straightforward question to somebody? Why do they have to sort of go round the houses and sort of, you know, they, they, they don't seem to be able to actually ask anybody anything anymore. Like, excuse me, are, are you pregnant? It's like, you know, Cheryl, are you going out with Liam? Is, is, is it a sham? Are you actually going out together? So you're holding hands... Uh, is he moved in with you? You moved in with him? Come on. You know, why do they... they you know, there was no comment from Cheryl's camp. Or, you know, you just think to yourself, for goodness sake, honestly, just start being honest. Why can't people tell tell the truth? They can't tell the truth nowadays, can they? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Phil Vickery says, I have to share with you. He said, uh, dinner last night, steak pie. Ready for this one, Margaret? Mushy peas. Gravy and pickled walnuts. Do you know, a lady came into the shop the other day and bought some pickled walnuts. She came into the greengrocer and bought pickled walnuts. I'm not... Uh, I, I quite like the idea of steak pie. Looks lovely. I'm not sure about the pickled walnuts. <laughs> They're quite big, aren't they? Oh, that looks nice. Is that cabbage in there or something like that? Oh, it looks nice, doesn't it? I like you, You'd like a lot of gravy, don't you? <laughs> if you like a lot of gravy on you... <laughs> Go to Phil Vickery. <laughs> 
Well, I could eat that now. It's no good showing me pictures of food. I explained earlier on, this programme's called Early Breakfast, but I've never seen a hint of food on it, ever. I could always... I could do with somebody turning up. There used to be years ago, somebody would sort of say, oh, I'm having sausages. And I'd, oh, stop it. Unless you're going to send sausages in. You know, and we have to, they have to be passed. You can't just sort of bring stuff in like that. Uh, CB Radio says Brian at Twickenham Station was made legal again about a year ago. Still popular. There you go. Now we know. Brian would know at Twickenham Station. They're really actually building opposite, directly opposite Twickenham Station. And we've watched them going up over goodness knows how long. Um, we've been watching uh, these flats going up where the flats overlook. Your, your, your view is another flat. They're not, uh, they're not very attractive at all. But they're putting these things up all over the place. And they sell. They absolutely sell. People are obviously crackers and very sort of uh, short on the uh, the ground of new properties to buy. And people seem to get money. Who was I talking to the other day? I was talking to somebody. I, I was saying about these uh, flats, sorry, houses, 1.6 million. And, uh, and a friend of mine said, um, one point, I said, who could afford that? And she said, loads of people. If you're living in an older style house, the chances are it could be worth £900,000. Could be. 900,000. A friend of mine lives off um, uh, Euston Road. And he's very near the Seashell Fish and Chip Shop, over the road from a council estate. And there's a house there that's just gone on the market. They're small places. Downstairs a flat, then upstairs the, the, the sort of the top bit of the house. Small house, almost like a starter home, 980,000. 980,000. If you're listening anywhere north of Watford, you're probably thinking to yourself... You know, this is uh, this is really not so good, is it? Moving down to London, can we afford to buy anywhere? No, you can't. Even with two of you, it's just ridiculous. The prices are absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely madness. I don't know how anybody affords to buy anything in London. And it isn't just buying the house. It's then having to pay all the bills and the council tax and everything else. Uh, Howard says, CB Radio is very much alive. I've just bought a new set that covers both CB and ham radio frequencies. Right. Oh, I didn't even know that. But anyway, Howard has uh, has placed uh, a vote for me. So that's good. Thank you. Uh, Dynasty was also known as Dynasty, according to Sir Terry Wogan. Yes. Uh, another one here on the subject of um, on the subject of Mothering Sunday. My mum has been unwell, says June, and she's totally reliant on carers and Mrs. Boiled Eggs for breakfast. Have you seen that advert? It's kind of an advert thing on running on BBC Two, where this woman gets up in the morning and every day she does a different breakfast for her husband, who looks like the most ungrateful so-and-so in the entire world. And uh, she says, Monday, he has two boys... She's standing there in a house coat, which I think is hilarious, because I didn't think people wore house coats anymore. Uh, Monday, Wilf has two... Uh, boiled eggs. Tuesday, he'll have, a, he'll have a toasted bacon sandwich. Wednesday, he'll have scrambled egg on toast. And then Thursday, we're back to the two boiled eggs again. And she did this with such repetition. I had to laugh because you look at her and then he and, and, he, and, and she says, because we have to do that. And he said, yeah, but he said, what's this we? He said, he said, but you don't mind doing it. She went, oh, no. Oh, no. He said, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm not difficult. <laughs> Do you think? He quite clearly doesn't lift a finger to help her at all. <laughs> but my favourite is the, is the woman who, with the children, thinks that by having a George Foreman grill means that there's no fat on anything she cooks. So she says, I can have as many burgers as I like because there's no fat in there. I thought, please don't portray this woman as a complete and utter idiot because it's very embarrassing. Uh, another one here. When are you going to uh, officially announce, says Ian, that you're not interested in being the new host of The X Factor? 
I can't think of anything worse. Can you imagine being on... T- oh, I can't think of anything worse than, you know, being on, on television and people seeing it. No privacy at all. No pri- I'd have people following me out. Mind you, I get people following me around supermarkets at the moment. But I couldn't bear to be followed around. Oh, that would drive me mad. Drive me crackers. I'm sure there must be some appeal to being on television. But I, I did say at the beginning of the programme that they've asked me to do the audio version of my book. Did I mention my book? And, uh, and I've written back to the boss today, said, yes, I quite like that. And then I suddenly realised these things can take forever, can't they? Luckily, I'm a fairly good reader. So uh, I think I'm going to be OK on it. Well, I, th- I, th- I say I'm going to be uh, very good at it. When you sit in a studio with a little pair of headphones on and a red light, sometimes it all goes to, uh, all goes to pieces, which is a shame. Right, other stories in the paper. So new, new day, I've got Brave or Cruel, Katie's shock confession about blind Harvey. She couldn't really care less, actually, Katie Price. As I say, she doesn't really engage brain before uh, opening... Uh, mouth, which is a shame. The new diet is on the front of the Express. They they love a medical story and they like diabetes. So this one here, it's a low calorie plan and they found that with nutritionally balanced soups and shakes, people with advanced type 2 diabetes can lose weight and reduce their dependence on insulin. Well, yes, possibly. Possibly. Uh, the staggering news this morning, and you better brace yourself for this one, ladies and gentlemen, is that Carol Kirkwood at 53 uh, has found... A man. She's found her Mr. Wright. She's keeping his identity a secret for now, until she's probably flogged the story to OK magazine, because apparently weather people now seem to think they are celebrities. So the next thing is Carrie going, this is my husband, this is us at home, this is us in our glorious sitting room, this is us in our glorious kitchen, this is my new man. It's, you know, it's doomed, isn't it? Absolutely doomed. But, um... She does hear, so I love my job and I'm working with my friends and so what, not, what not to be perky about. She only reads the weather. Let's not try and read anything into it. They've never asked her to do anything more complicated than read the weather. OK, so here it's going to be sunny. And then coming down here, there's a warm front. Have you noticed my warm front? And uh, over here, there'll be some cold weather moving in from the east. And that's it. And that's all they do. That's all weather people do. They don't have to do anything else now. They make such a big deal about it, don't they? You know, do you think she understands anything about uh, about weathering? Probably not. Probably not. But she can read an auto cue and read the big words. And so the next thing, and let's go back to Carol, who's out in the garden. And there's another warm front. I'll lean forward a little bit more. You can see it properly. And uh, here's the weather coming in here. And uh, back to you in the studio. And that's it. That's weather forecasting nowadays. That's it. There's nothing more to it than that. You know, it's but they make it out to be such a big, big thing, don't they? Oh, no. Here I am. So I found a boyfriend at the age of 53. Seriously, I thought she was near 70. I had no idea she was only 53. Uh, Blenheim Palace is home to the greatest collection of ancient oaks anywhere in Europe. Uh, they reckon that some of these trees that they've got here date back a thousand years. It was previously thought, previously thought, that uh, Mockers Park in Hertfordshire, Windsor Great Park and Savernac Forest in Wiltshire... Savernac Forest. I did my Duke of Edinburgh's award scheme in Savernac Forest. That was the disaster. Do you remember? The whole idea is that when you do the Duke of Edinburgh's award scheme, you have to go out there, and there were four of us, and you take your tent and you have to survive two nights under canvas. And so we sort of get dumped off in the middle of Savernac Forest, and I thought I was being really clever by finding a little sort of glade overhung with tree branches, and so we pitched our tents there without realising that first thing in the morning... 
all the dew on the trees drops onto the tent and you can't wrap the tent up till it's all dried. It's a real pain, it really was. But the one thing that, that fell us down, first of all, we had a, a motorbike gang who came and terrorised. We were only little boys. We were only about 15, 16 years old. And they put their lights on the tents. And we went, oh, my God, it's motorbike boys. Ruffies, ruffies. So anyway, so luckily they then sort of toodled away. And we decided to go out for a walk in Savanac Forest. I don't know if you've ever been through Savanac Forest at night or any forest, but it's pitch black. Pit- and we didn't have torches. Pitch black. And so we're all as scared as each other, but we're trying to be brave and tough little soldiers. And so we sort of, we leave out our tents... And uh, we go through a walk through the, through the forest and all of a sudden we're walking through and I can remember it vividly to this day. All of a sudden the ground starts to shake and I thought, oh my God, what's happening? What's happening? And it shakes and it gets worse and worse. And all of a sudden it goes, woo! And all this steam comes out. We're standing on a blooming railway bridge. There's a railway line going underneath us. And it was the... Tr- well, I tell you, you've never seen four little boys run for their lives. I thought we were being attacked. Ghastly. Ghastly. It's uh, 6.15. It's LBC News time with those headlines. Ellen and Oakes. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Wednesday, the 2nd of March. Remember the story I told you uh, a couple of days ago now about the couple who had the house? They had a builder in and uh, then it all started going wrong. And uh, the building jobs were botched. The company that they were dealing with uh, going to liquidation. The person's still operating as a builder. He's now claiming that they've ruined his life by going to the press about the story. To be honest with you, looking at the mess that this builder made of it. um, And now I believe the house has been uh, reduced. There's a million pound bill outstanding. The the contractor and the insurers have refused to pay out. It's a, a nightmare story for those people. Who, um, who found themselves at the rough end of a, of a builder who really couldn't care less. Really couldn't care less. You've really got to be careful when you choose these people. Really very, very careful. Uh, Mary Berry comes in for a bit of it. I wonder when the press were going to turn against poor old Mary. But uh, now they say that uh, in the latest episode, she made dishes written off as lazy student food by viewers. The most controversial recipe, you shop-bought pesto which provoked so much outrage. <laughs> I mean, really, you think people would need to get a life, wouldn't you? And uh, and they've said here, because you remember Nigella did lemon uh, paviova with a jar of lemon curd and, and, drilled halloum- and grilled halloumi using packet salads. I mean, who cares? You know, nobody's ever started writing to Marco Pierre White because he advertises these North stock cubes. So why, why complain about Mary Berry? Goodness sake, honestly. If you could save time in the kitchen by doing, you know, pesto that you bought, why not do it? Why not do it? Goodness sake, I'll say, leave the woman alone. These people, these, these Twitter trolls, they're obviously not fans. They're just silly people who um, who sort of just go out there and just decide to go and write rubbish. Rubbish. Uh, what else? The Modern Bride. How much does a wedding cost? Apparently £20,000. Unless you get a TV programme to do it for you. And I always love it. All the, the, the chavs love this TV programme because it's an opportunity to get the tackiest wedding ever and somebody else to foot the bill. And so they get somebody there, and last week uh, the girl goes, yeah, because I like, want this dress, like, because you know, I want to look like a fairy tale. And so I'm thinking, you know it's going to end in disaster. You absolutely know that whatever happens at the end of the day, she's going to look at this dress and it's gonna, she's going to hate it. So anyway, so they go all the way through it. She goes into the shop, and they bring out the dress, and she goes, I hate it. I hate it. It's horrible. 
And of course, I'm, I'm just dying, wetting myself, laughing at this. You know, thriving on other people's misery is my forte. And so she hates this wedding. He's picked the worst wedding dress. And the family going, no, it's nice, dear. It's, it's my dreams are shattered, shattered. All my dreams are gone. I can't get married. It's horrible. Anyway, finally, they actually persuade her to put it on. And it looks fine. It looks fine. And so she comes out and they go, it looks fine. And she goes, oh, no, I think it looks all right now. And she was quite clearly a right spoilt little madam. <laughs> but, you know, all of a sudden she t- it was like Nikki, wasn't it, her big brother, when she had all her tantrums. That was the thing that we laughed at the most. She was having her tantrum. And this was a bride having them about the dress that she didn't like. Then she put it on and then she suddenly realised that actually it made her look reasonably attractive. Admittedly, you'd have to use a fairly heavy hessian veil over the front, which would then sort of help out. But it's it, they obviously give them so much money and they go out and they do... The wedding, and it can be done in a hall, and they decorate it. And obviously, blokes haven't got the faintest idea how to organise weddings, because most time, I mean, most of them seem to work okay. Eventually, the bride goes, "Well, you know, I'm not going to get anybody else in my life, so I better kind of hang on to this one." And uh, and they go, "Okay, what can we have? We can have some prosecco, can when people come in, and then we have some canapes and stuff like this." And it's it's all just for a wedding. The you know, by the time you've seen them all dressed up, it is like Chav Central. It is like Chap Central, but very funny programme. I like it. OK, so 20 years on, who's won the Oscar for Love, Money and Happiness? And this is looking at Leonardo Di- DiCaprio, or the D-lister, and Kate Winslet. Uh, he was 22. She was 21 when they made Titanic. Close friends since, but who's fared the best? For example, uh, her box office takings, £2.8 billion. But 1.5 of that came from Titanic. His box office takings, 4.8 billion. Uh, the wealth, she's worth 64 million pounds. He's worth 175. He's the 13th richest actor in the world. Uh, she's had 27 nominations and has won seven. He's had 20 nominations and won four. Uh, properties. She's got £18 million worth. She's got a little portfolio going on there. He's got £58.7 million worth. In endorsements, £5 million for Kate, £9.5 million for him. So, uh, who is the winner? Leo. Leo. By, you know, not a huge, huge amount, but it's certainly enough to, to, to notice. So, congratulations. He's very successful. She's very successful too. But by the way, let me point out again, she's not pregnant. Okay, she's not pregnant. She's now come right out and said, no, I'm not pregnant. And so, you know, but I mean, it's only a straightforward question. I'm sorry, are you you pregnant? No, just just a yes or no would suffice for me. I don't I don't really need to know uh, anything else. And um, also the the rugby thing is the daftest thing I've ever read. When I first I'm going to sneeze. I do beg your pardon. It's going to happen (coughs) live. (laughs) I I sneezed in the car the other day and the driver said, bless you. I wasn't sure what to... I said, thank you. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> uh, schools have got a ban tackling in rugby, say, top doctors. Well, what's the point of having... It's a contact sport. I used to... You are listening to a person here, ladies and gentlemen, who used to play rugby. Stop laughing. I played rugby at school. We had to. It was compulsory. We, 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 we played rugby and hockey. We didn't... We didn't do... Yeah, I mean, I, well, I had to play it. We didn't have any choice. That was part of it. And in the middle of winter, when it was freezing cold, we went down to the playing fields in Essex. God, it was freezing. It was like today, only you're in little shorts. 
and you go down there, and, and then you come back up again, and you go, oh, so, my hands are so cold. The idea was that when you're little, obviously, you're supposed to run around and keep warm. didn't kind of work for us. But uh, I played rugby, and it was a contact sport. People, you know, if, if you got... The, I discovered quite earlier on that if they threw the ball to you and you ran with it, people chased you. I discovered if you threw it up in the air, they didn't chase you anymore. So I threw the ball up in the air. I didn't want to be chased. Also, my mother would have been furious if my kit would have got dirty because there was no chance of getting it cleaned. You'd have to sort of go wash it yourself. So uh, now they say you've got to ban it. Top doctors say this. Well, that's just ridiculous. Let's just ban it all, shall we? Let's ban horse racing. Let's ban hockey. Let's ban football because there's a chance that you could hurt yourself. Oh, God, honestly. Why don't they just leave us alone? Leave us alone. We've been having, you know, rugby and things like that. Occasionally people get hurt, but that's kind of... You know, I could walk out of here this morning and get run over by a fish and chip van. I don't know. Uh, What could lower your risk of a heart attack and a stroke? Come on. Come on. I'm going to help you out this morning. The answer is just one cup of tea a day. One cup of tea a day. A study of 6,500 people found those that drank tea every day had a 35% lower chance of a cardiac arrest. They also had fewer calcium deposits in the coronary arteries. As I was explaining to our barista, Dan, downstairs, because he had uh, a little heart attack the other day, and he's not even 25. Not even 25. So I said to him, I said, well, you're talking to somebody who's got stents. I don't think he knew what stents were, actually. Mind you, till I'd had them done, I didn't know what stents were either. Um, There's also more on the Anglo-Saxon trade citadel, teeming with treasures found in the fens. It's a marvel in the marshes. Isn't it lovely? I I love it when they find things. I'm so excited. I I get excited about stuff that people dig up and they go, look at this, look at this, we found it. You go, wow. And then, and I've got to rejoin the V&A. I'm only telling you this now because you might want to do the same. Um, because they've got this exhibition coming up where they've got George Harrison's suit from the front of Sergeant Pepper. They've got a piece of moon rock. They've got all sorts of things. And if you join the V&A, it's cheaper in the long run. It means you don't have to queue for anything. You can just go in there and go, I'll go to the exhibition now. Whereas if you go as a normal punter, you have to pay for it. So if you go three times in a week, you pay three times in a week. If you're a member of the V&A, and you can join all the museums, they all have uh, advantages uh, to joining and you just get the... So I'm going to join this coming Sunday again, I think. I, I've been a member for, for a few years, but then we let it lapse last time round because there was nothing really that I was uh, particularly interested in seeing. But I'm definitely interested in seeing George Harrison's suit from Sergeant Pepper. Also, I've got uh, Bond's new car. It's a new supercar, and uh, this is the Aston Martin DB11. It's a follow-on from the other one. And the price of it? 155 thousand pounds ladies and gentlemen and that is my gift to you this morning there you go enjoy it because uh, we have to close the pages of today's edition of steve allen's early breakfast thank you very much indeed for your company i hope you'll join me again tomorrow i have a free podcast up for you today as in fact i do every day and then the remainder of the program is available to podcast as well well i've just looked at the time i've got to go at seven nick ferrari at breakfast coming up now though lisa aziz with the morning news this is lbc 